You're listening to El Yoshi Diddy Podcast with Yoshi Obayashi. Okay, thank you for listening to a new episode of Yoshiden. I am in um, Sweden. And Sean, wh- where exactly the town I'm in right now? I th- we're in Hagerstein. Okay, it's a, it's a suburb of Stockholm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, it's great to be here. We, we met a little over a week ago after the show. He was kind enough to talk to me, and uh, I find his stories very fascinating. <laughs> so It was a great w- show. Um, but before we continue, this episode is sponsored by Midnight Ice Cream. If you're looking for quality skateboard and skateboarding clothing lines, please check out Midnight Ice Cream Seattle, Washington. And also, I'd like to dedicate this episode to Michael L. Olsen in Copenhagen, Denmark. He runs an organization called Illegal. His organization provides a periodical for addicts in Copenhagen to sell. And when they sell those magazines, they keep the 40% proceeds to spend it on drugs so they don't have to prostitute themselves and commit crime. The crime in Copenhagen uh, has dropped dramatically. Uh, it has uh, police approval. And uh, he's doing a wonderful job helping the addicts of Copenhagen. And also, he was the instrumental in starting these uh, ambulance slash vans to pack up addicts in Copenhagen to provide them a safe place to uh, use their drugs and preventing uh, any sort of OD. So, Michael Olsen, uh, thank you for your uh, great work and uh, uh, good luck with everything. And if you want to check his work, it's uh, illegalmagazine.dk for Denmark. All right, Sean, thanks. Uh, sorry for that long intro. Oh, no, that's um, fine. That's that's uh, that's good stuff. is an example of the type of thing that uh, we would never allow in America because people who use drugs are considered evil, right? There's something wrong. <laughs> I mean, no, I think it's a great program. I, 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 I do too. And you're a man of science and uh, logic and reason. And uh, I, I, I believe that um, the drug problems are a health issue. And um, unfortunately, our beloved country, uh, USA, <laughs> our government is putting a lot of pressure on Swedish government not to change their drug policies. And uh, n- none of us, no one are saying the drugs are good for you. Yeah. Uh, it's unfortunate they're using it, but um, illegalizing it, you're making their life miserable. And uh, yeah. these are people with medical and health issues. We should help our brothers and sisters in need. Exactly. I mean, that's is part of the point is that it is a health issue. It's not a crime issue, right? And that's the way that seems like a lot of people in the U.S. Are, or a lot of politicians in the U.S. treated like th- these people need to be punished because they're doing this and it doesn't actually deal with the problem at all. And there are addicts. They're already being punished as it is. And if, if they have a problem with addiction problem, if there's one group of people, the politicians know this better than anyone, they're addicted to power and they're always willing to throw people under the bus um, because they have other hidden agendas. And unfortunately, what people see as people with drug problems, drug addicts, you know, we all have a stereotypical uh, images of them, but there's many people who are heroin addicts, have professional lives, fathers and mothers, and most people don't know that they use them, but they're very functional, but they're afraid to come out and say, hey, I use drugs, but I'm functional. 
they're, they're not going to do that. So everybody have this image of uh, people with drug problems like these horrible people with yeah. terrible committing crimes and whatnot. And having said that, I, I, I think I, I'm, I, was, I, I, I did not have a very good academic background, <laughs> but I always had a lot of respect for scientists, math, mathematicians. And here's a group of people who have a really, really, um, I wouldn't say bad reputation, but it did just people just have a really funny notion what mathematicians, scientists are. Either they are the nerds from the Big Bang Theory or mathematics slash chemistry genius of Walter White from AMC's Breaking Bad. It doesn't have to be that extreme. I believe math is a language like anything else, and you guys speak this beautiful language that uh, most people are just afraid even to... Uh, trying to learn and read and write yeah i, yeah. I mean I, I get letters from kids uh, across uh greater stockholm all the time um saying you know sean i would like to go into mathematics but i'm concerned that it could lead to cooking crystal math in, <laughs> yes. you know in arizona and i you know, i tell them i mean it's, it's very uncommon very uncommon uh no no i'm I, i'm joking of course but uh but I think that's how our conversation started um, last Wednesday, right? I mean, so as a comedian, I thought Big Bang Theory is a great thing because yeah. it humanized these groups of people. And I, I was just hoping, God, I hope there's more kids who has a talent for math that actually going to math, not worrying what other people think as uh, being nerd. In fact, this is kind of cool to be a nerd. Yeah. So I think that's one thing that the Big Bang Theory is doing is it's like saying, mm-hmm. you know, look, like here are these people that are doing this and they're nerds and they're like they're fine let's let's celebrate everybody and that's good i think it's important to celebrate you know everyone but the the thing that i don't like about it um i had lots of conversations Mm -hmm. about this with my advisor is that it sort of promotes this stereotype that weird people do math or that math people are weird and um it's it's kind of I think it creates this effect where where like there's this image right a bunch of people have seen this Darren Aronofsky movie Pi yes where this this guy is it's a, it's a great movie I love the movie um, but the guy goes nuts and there's this idea that you know like well if you do math for too long you go crazy or something right like couldn't you just get lost in it and I mean lots of people in all kinds of fields go crazy but but there are these tragic stories of mathematicians or philosophers or or scientific types losing their mind and this is the only time that you hear about them right like one of the most important scientists of the last century Carrie Mullis um, who who discovered uh, uh, some sort of I think it's RCA no I, I can't remember what it is but it's a way of of taking some bit of of uh, genetic material or DNA or something like this and sort of searching, trying to identify it by rapidly uh, uh, multiplying what it is so it's more likely to show up. I'm, I probably ruined that. Uh, but but the guy was a surfer. Mm-hmm. You know, he was in California. He would just be like, fuck this, I'm going to go to the beach today right. or whatever. At least I think those are stories I've heard about him. And then there's this very famous mathematician Stephen Smale, who, who won the most prestigious award in math, one of the most prestigious awards in mathematics, and he got in trouble because 
um, they asked him where he did his work, and he said, you know, well, he was on the beach in Buenos Aires, and then, but he was being paid by the U.S. government, and they're like, oh, oh this is a problem. You know, they, they maybe wanted some of their money back. These are some sort of like apocryphal stories that maybe they're not quite I right. But, but but these are some of the myths we grow up with is, is that these people are really cool. Um, there are some... If, if, if mm-hmm. I may add, add yeah. a couple of things. Um, I, I live in Los Angeles, so there's a lot of show business stuff. Yeah. And quite often in movies, they always prevent scientists in perverted ways. For example... Um, Obviously, Frankenstein is one mm-hmm. of them, right? Like, if 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 these so-called scientists doesn't have morality, they're gonna get out of control and create these monsters. Um, or, you know, uh, I can't think about them. Oh, Spider-Man is another one where yep. when the science go awry, monsters are created. Um, I, I think they prefer that because most people was it, I think Virgin Russell says something like uh, paraphrasing he says something like most people rather die than think and most people do you know I yeah, mean yeah. they'd they, they rather not think than die and it's it's um I'm not a fan of religion so with religion you can't argue with religious people logically because it's based on faith you, they mm-hmm. just accept yeah they don't need any sort of like formulas or proof or reasoning for why they believe in something eventually they get to the point where they believe because they believe yep. and, and Soren Kierkegaard the Danish uh, existentialist mm-hmm. say like the leaf of faith as there's a certain point you just got to jump through into the darkness from the cliff because you just accept I can't do that I'm just not one of those people I just didn't grow up just I'm going to accept you have to give me some kind of reason why you believe something or you know try um I'm also aware, aware that there's some things in life you can't explain. That's why we have thing called metaphysics, where yeah. Aristotle's son called something beyond physics as a metaphysics. So I understand there's some things that you can't explain, like that singer ended up marrying Julia Roberts. Remember what's his name? Yeah. Uh, like, oh, Lyle Lovett? Uh, Was like, that his name? You could never explain. <laughs> I love Julia Roberts. I still do to this day. I look at that guy. I'm sure he's a nice guy, but... No amount of science could ever explain like that makes well, no fucking not, sense. I mean, maybe he has like the most amazing penis ever. Well, right? That, like maybe that scientifically, you could calculate. <laughs> you could, you could, you could, yeah, you could determine that. Like, maybe it's shaped like a unicorn or something. And but I, I, I just think I think scientists get uh, unfair treatment in media, and only why they look cool is like, like I say, Walter White using yeah. his logical science. But once again. <laughs> and when it, whenever you have some in, intelligent science and logical person, they will use it for the yeah evil ways, you know. Yeah, he, he just kind of well. So I haven't finished the fifth season yet, but I haven't seen uh, any of the new episodes. Yeah, but but yeah, but it, it gets darker and darker, and uh, that that tends to happen. I mean, there in 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 the media, like as you, as you say, I mean, there are all these portrayals of people like. And and the reason is that it's it's hard to get people excited yes. about about science. It's hard to pe- get people excited. Do, do they, do, 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 is this specifically to Americans, or do you face this everywhere you have travel? So um, I I this is maybe ignorant of me. I think it is specifically Americans, and I think it's because of our science literacy. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, because there's you know we, we we talked before the show 
that uh, we were talking about Goodwill Hunting, one of my favorite yeah. movies, and one of the things that the Americans are noted for, they're probably anti-intellectual. If uh, if it's all, that's just something that's great, and it drives me crazy. Is, is when I would when I meet with some of these young black kids, like being smart is like being white. Like, I, what you know? Like Malcolm X was well-read, incredibly smart guy. Yeah. Given if he was given the opportunity, uh, like everyone else, he would have probably would have become a lawyer or scientist because he was the smartest kid in the class. So I just don't like anything. When you say smart, it's it's this or that. You just consider smart as just being smart. Yeah, and it's also the other the other thing about it is like measuring intelligence or asking people like categorizing people in that way. Um, so I um, I like talk to people like relatives mm-hmm. or something like that, or like meet friends, and they'll be like, "Oh, this is gonna sound so." arrogant they'll say things like oh you you're like a math genius and i'm very much like point like like absolutely not i have met people that i might consider geniuses mm-hmm. they were a lot smarter than me and um but when i was younger when i was like in high school or whatever like i somehow internalized this people were like oh you're smart or whatever and that like really set me back more than anything wait, wait what why is that because so this goes back to something we were talking about you were talking about um Japanese kids learning math and how they're like no this is just hard you just have to work hard for that's mo- what they teach them but mm-hmm. but there was there's this there was some study that was done and it was written about in something called um, the the peril of uh, praise the peril of praise something like this some sort of like New Yorker article or mm-hmm. something and um, what they did was they took some kids and they they each gave them like the same set of problems and they were like fifth graders or third graders or something. And when one group did it or did well, they said, oh, you, you must be really smart. You sure. did this. And then the other group, they said, oh, you must have worked really hard. Well, if you're told you're smart all the time, that means you think that you get things quickly. Well, it doesn't. maybe it doesn't mean that you get things quickly, but that's like how you think about the experience of sure. understanding something or figuring something out. So if you have to work at it, it might mean you're not smart. Right? Because if you were smart, you wouldn't it, have to work. Right. It would be so easy for it you. It would be so easy. Yeah. And so uh, when I first, I, I did my freshman year of college at U of M and did really badly. They were like, hey, please don't come back. Um, go figure your shit out somewhere else. Well, what, I, what, what was going on? Um, I was not used to not being the smartest kid. I was not used to having to work. Um, it was that among other things. I see. Um. So I, I mean, living in this new, completely different environment, kind of freaked me out a bit. Um, That's a big transition. I it have was to a say. big transition mm-hmm. from like, um, so my grade school. I mean, there were sixteen people in our graduating eighth grade class, and that was like the largest class they'd had in a long time. And then you know, four years after to go to U of M, where you have like, <laughs> so what did you grow up? <laughs> Amish or a Quaker or something? It was a Quaker school. Yeah, I went to a Quaker. Is it really? School, yeah, for nine years. Oh, I was just joking. No, no, no. Yeah, Quaker. You know who but, but Quakers aren't Amish, right? I mean, they're, no, no, no. I mean, Qua- yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they have really small schools, though. They have that in common. It's really funny because they're anti-war, but uh, Richard Nixon was a big one of the biggest yeah, Quakers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's bizarre. Like they, they. Uh, I feel like um, I didn't know they had a uh, because I think you told me you live nearby Detroit or the suburb I live of in Detroit. Detroit. Yeah, yeah. It's I in know, Detroit. 
But I didn't know they, they were, there was a Quaker. There is a Quaker school there. My brother and sister went there for 10 years as well. I mean, uh, my parents were a big believer in certain parts of this. Yes. So one thing that was really cool, we had a uh, a human rights curriculum there. Yeah. With like 6th, 7th, and 8th graders spent like two hours a week or three hours a week in a course on human rights. Right. You know, um, which is kind of like weird. I mean, yeah, I don't know any, not weird, but I don't know of any other schools that have courses on this, like for sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. And it was a great school and it was a great experience. So, like, Quakers are really good at some things. But, sure. But the school almost goes out of business every year. I mean, they've, they, uh, they're not good at the business side because part of those types of transactions appear. I don't know if violence the right word, but they're not honest and forthright. I mean, the but Quakers they, but are, but the business transactions don't seem that way, and so they're very hesitant to do mm-hmm. these types of things. But but um, did they at least give you a great edu- education? It was a great education. Oh, okay. It was. It was I would, I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, you have class sizes of twelve kids and teachers who want to be there. Right. That's amazing. So it's it's really great, and there are a lot of good teachers everywhere, but. Mm-hmm. Here especially, I mean, no one was there for the money. They didn't get paid very well at all, so they they couldn't have been there for the money. And and did you know right away from young age you want to go into math? Or so, I always really liked mathematics. I mean, so when I was in third or fourth grade, I um, wanted to either be like a historian because I really loved like mythology and, sure. and Roman history, or I or I wanted to do math i always really enjoyed it and i remember my parents used to have season tickets to the pistons and it's like an hour drive especially if there's like traffic because you're going the wrong way at the wrong time of day so i remember my dad like when i was like second grade or something teaching me about exponents you know just oh here like you're bored here's some other stuff like let's talk about this you know on the way to a to a basketball game Wait, wait, you guys were talking about like... Math on the way to... Uh, oh, okay. He wasn't talking about like how many rebounds Dennis Rodman... No, no, no. Oh, okay, okay. No, he wasn't. I, I, Dennis, that was a different time. But yeah, he, but how old are you? I mean, if you don't mind ask. Right now? Yeah. <laughs> 29. I always have to think about it. I always okay. have to think about I'm it. I'm old enough to remember the bad boys of Detroit Pistons. And I, 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 I know a lot of people don't like that kind of basketball, but I fucking love that. I really love... Uh, it was so dirty and beautiful. You got to love it when Bill Ambeer sucker punches his own teammate and yeah, breaks his hand. And Isaiah Thomas and Dennis Rodman. And, you know, I grew up in L.A. I didn't like when they were playing Lakers. But I have to say, <laughs> personally, I love that style of bo- uh, basketball. And uh, they were so aggressive. Jordan hated those guys. Yeah, yeah. Just hated those yeah. guys. This, I mean, it's a. Uh, but it, it, I feel it, like it's very kind of a Detroit thing, right? Like it's, it's the grittiness, the toughness. Yeah, it's gritty. It's blue collar. It's getting the job done. Um, and I, I, I we'll go back to math sure. for a second, but I love Detroit. I really do because uh, I grew up in Japan, Osaka, Japan, and we have a uh, Hanshin Tigers, which is uh, like the sister team of Detroit Tigers. Yeah. And when I went to uh, Detroit, and all my friends were telling, oh, it's too dangerous, whatever, but there's something about that town where, it's very similar to Pittsburgh, too, where grittiness, they're, they're ready to go and work hard, you know, st- you know, making, building cars. They build shit. They make real stuff there, you know, and 
I, I love the grittiness and toughness and then the realness that people in Detroit and people like places like Pittsburgh. Yeah. But uh, it's, it makes me sad because they lost a lot of people in that town in the last 50 a years. A lot of people are moving back. There Thank are God. a lot of people moving into the city. And I think a large part of that is due to, I think probably have friends who won't like this maybe. I don't know. I think Dan Gilbert has done a lot of, the guy from Quicken Loans has really tried to get people to move into the city. The university, Wayne State University, yeah. has tried to get people to move in. The hospitals, Henry Ford uh, Medical Center and DMC have, uh, Detroit Medical Center have been getting people to move in by, they, they give incentives to people who work for them to live sure. in the area around there. And Detroit, is, I mean, like people do make shit there. Um, all kinds of shit. So there's um, a local block party that's been going on for the past 35, 36 years sure. called Dally in the Alley. It's like one city block. It was started to pay legal fees. Um, and it's four stages of music and whatever. And it's one day event. Had over a hundred street vendors selling crafts last year. Yeah. And uh, 20,000 people showed up for a free event. No corporate sponsors ever. You get 20,000 people to something with no corporate sponsors. Where can you get a city to like, where do you have space to make something like that happen? And Detroit is a place that just has an abundance of space because of how carelessly it was built. And also, the Wire magazine had an excellent article yep. about farming possibility in Detroit. That, I was talking, we were talking on the, on the Tibana. I was saying like, there is a way for Detroit to come back and it's yeah. through farming because there's so much space and now it's cheap enough to make above ground raised beds that yes. you can farm in while you there are certain things you can plant to pull toxins out of the land to leach them out yeah and while you're doing that you can use part of the land and you just put boxes on it and do above ground raised beds there are people who make money doing this and i have i think i know three or four people who've been involved in community gardens and farms and there's just so much space for it and and I can't emphasize enough that, 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 that the history of the automobile business, which changed the whole world, and their music scene. And uh, I, I've been through a couple of those abandoned major architectural buildings. It's Detroit is incredibly underrated. It's an amazing city. And uh, it reminds me of my home to Osaka because it's, it has a lot of factory and things like yeah. that. But I, I really, really, really love Detroit. Uh, the few times I've been there, and uh, their sports fans are incredible. And yeah. um, um, since we're in Sweden, and uh, I'm, I, you know, I'm Asian, so I can't drink a lot. So I'm drinking whatever whiskey or whatnot. Bushmills. Uh, yeah. Will they send us a bunch if we? <laughs> <laughs> Bushmills, the finest Irish whiskey. It's fantastic. It's delicious. It's so smooth. But last time we when 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 uh, uh, Stanley Cup, uh, two of their leaders. Where at the Tonight Show, I met them. I didn't know anything about hockey. They couldn't be more gracious and nice. He let, They even let me grab Stanley Cup. And uh, it was uh, Mr. Osgood, John uh -huh. Osgood. Yeah. And um, uh, other was a uh, captain. And uh, he's from, why am I forgetting? He's the captain from uh, for the team from Sweden. Lidstrom? Yes. He yeah. was, these guys could have not been nicer people. They're champions and a winner. Yeah. And, um um, ever since then, and plus, I lived in Seattle for a long time. They don't have a hockey team, so I've been Detroit Redmond fans, and um, they're just great, you know. And it's 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 just like that damn video that the Eminem made two years ago. Yeah, the, uh, that the is a, just a fantastic video about yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Detroit. I, I, I really do feel like we're the underdogs of the country. I mean, in some sense, I feel like Detroit is a part of the U.S. that the rest of the country forgot and abandoned yes. and left behind. And I think to a large extent, we have that attitude. And um, I don't know if that's a good thing, but it's it's there and there's not much you can do about it. I always like to tell people, like, any story you hear about Detroit, like, fuck that. You come to Detroit, I will show you a good time. Fantastic music, fantastic food. People great, are great music. Great music and great people. I've given directions me and my dad were driving on the freeway. Some guy rolls out his window. He doesn't know where he is. We give him directions while we're driving on the freeway at 40 miles an hour. I don't know anywhere else where, like, people do that. Yeah. Like, you get, get directions on the freeway. It's very friendly people. It's, like, Midwest nice, but, like, serious amounts of culture. Great music scene. Every night of the week, there's two or three shows happening at different venues. And, I mean, that. I mean, I know people who started a record label because their friends had a band. Yes. I don't know where... I mean, I guess that happens all over the place, but there's room for studio space and all kinds of stuff. So it's got a lot it's a lot of vibrant culture going on and a lot of people moving in. Come come visit Detroit. Yes, they filed for bankruptcy, but for me, that's a good thing because it will give opportunity for Detroit to bounce back and uh, there were some problems with the local government and whatnot, but I, I believe they're coming back because, you know, even, even if you look at things like Consumer Reports, American cars built in, in Detroit has been been great. The quality has been going up. I'm from Japan. I say this when I've been by. <laughs> they're kicking the shit out of Japanese. And this year, I don't know which American car, but it was number one Consumer Report in a long, long time. So, you know, give Detroit a chance. Come and visit. Invest in Detroit because uh, I, I just you'll love get more than your money's worth. For, That's for, for sure. For sure, everything is. So, so I was. I I tell people I have a friend who pays something like nine hundred dollars a month for more than three hundred and twenty square meters, and I I moved from like the cheapest part of the U.S. to the most expensive part of Europe. Right, yes. Stockholm is like incredibly expensive. I have a friend paying more than $1,100 here for 25 square meters and not like anywhere near anything. And it's just Detroit. uh, I recently saw some article about like, this is why people are moving to Detroit. And what it was listed, how much you could get for five grand a month in New York and in Detroit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's more of difference. It was like this huge mansion, like centrally located. (laughs) Like it's, amazing and there are reasons for it right there are reasons things are cheap in yeah. detroit but there's a lot going on i, I just think uh we, we, we need to go back what oh you yeah, yeah, yeah but I, I just think i think detroit is one of those um uh undervalued stock mm-hmm. and and this is a time to put your money in detroit because um they have a history of doing amazing work and um I, I, because when people visit Midwest, they usually go to Chicago. But I, and believe me, I'm, I'm a fan of Chicago. Chicago's great, great. Yeah, but you're really not doing yourself a service by not uh, skipping Detroit because boy, it's. Uh, I was blown away. I thought my impression from what I'm hearing from everyone's like escape from New York. It was one of those kind of scenario, and it wasn't, man. Yeah. It really wasn't. Well, it depends on where you go. It well, certainly yes. can be. I mean. Do but your homework. This is this do is your homework before. Travel one on one. Wherever you go, you need to do your homework. 
as long as you do your homework, you're fine. I've been to Afghanistan twice. I did my homework. <laughs> I had a great time. So you could have a good time anywhere as yeah. long as you do your work. Due yeah. diligence. No, no, I, I totally agree. So I tell people, come to Detroit, show you a good time, but like know someone. Like it's it's good to have somebody there, like a friend there. Sure. Beforehand. Um Okay. Anyway, we were we were so, talking about so yeah. so so you're a smart uh, person, uh, and uh, maybe I, I, I enjoy listening to you. But so you're going to school in, in Detroit, and you're good at math. And uh, so, what, what was it like? Like, like, uh, did other kids resent the fact that you were good? No, because I always I always went to a private school. I was uh, lucky. My parents spent a lot of money on my education. Sure. Um, that was a real serious priority for them, and. So, so for, we were talking about, you were asking me like when I wanted, when I knew I wanted to like go into math. Well, first, like, here's something that I think is like really important. You have kids that study science or mathematics or, sure. or anything or English or any subject that they really like Absolutely. and they're kids and they're like, okay, so mom, dad, uncle, grandpa, whatever, like where, what do I do with this? This is what I like. This is what I'm passionate about what can I do with my interest in this? What can I do with my passion? So I was passionate about mathematics and people said, well, you should be an engineer then. And so I thought I wanted to be an engineer until my because, second... Because the, 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 this is a pretty typical with Asians. If you're good at math, why don't you jump into something practical application math, which is you build things, engineering. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. so I didn't even know that people could do math for yeah. a living. Like that to me blew my mind and I found that out after my second year in high school and I was like, okay, that's it. That's what I want to do. Sure. So, I mean, I did, did, don't, don't ever tell a kid who says, I really love this subject. What can I do with it? Don't tell them anything other than do that subject. Sure. Do the shit out of that. If it's English, they should do the shit out of English. Yes. If it's French, they should do the shit out of languages, French, whatever. Like people think that the that these passions or like people's skills should be applied to something, and that to me makes me really sad. Yeah, because you can. There's um, for example, somebody someone could be really really good at math, but they have no passion. But they just get in just because they're good at it. That's no way to live your life. You'll just yeah. You'll burn out. Mm -hmm. Anything like that, you'll burn out. I um. It reminds me of a Mitch Hedberg joke, right? Where he's like, he's talking about being a comedian, how people are always like, oh, you know, why don't you write a show? Why don't you do a movie? That's like talking to a guy who's a really good cook and asking him, why don't you try farming? Like, these are different parts of things that are related, but you could just do the thing you like doing. And also the fact they remind you, whatever you're doing, it's not good enough. That's what they're saying to you, you know. Well, they don't understand. Mm -hmm. They don't know. People's conception of what science or mathematics is is like so far away from what it is. So this sounds like really insulting, but this really is more a literacy issue than anything else. Um, so in high school, you didn't have any problem. You just went through it. I No, I, there were, I was challenged. I was definitely challenged by some of my teachers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was definitely pushed, um, definitely. But I learned a lot, and I enjoyed it. And I had really fucking great teachers. One of my first, one of the first most meaningful ex interactions I had was where someone showed me respect, mm -hmm. which meant a lot to me intellectually for someone to like show me respect. 
was uh, it was my freshman year. I was taking sophomore math, and the the instructor was uh, Mr. Gumble, and he was like a, a coach, and he taught math, and he had all these great stories too about stuff. The, most of his story problems involved denigrating one of our rival schools. Right, which, that's which creative, great. right there. It was yeah. great. It yeah. was great. It was it was sort of like. Uh, like a story problem about a mom trying to get the lunch on to the bus because his kid for her kid forgot it and it was this rival school, but they were such a shitty school their bus could like not go that fast <laughs> yeah. so the mom could actually catch up. So stuff like that. Uh, so uh, so I took a test. I handed it like a bit early, and he checks it in front of me. He pulls out his his like his solutions. Sure. And he says my solutions actually. And he's like just checking it. And he's doing this in front of me, which so this was a Catholic private school, and we all had to wear dress shirts, belt, pants, khaki pants or, right. or slacks, dress shoes, appropriate socks, tie, everything, right? And so there was a lot about respect, and they called you Mister So and So. Everyone sure. was Mister This, <laughs> Mister That. Yeah. And he's checking it in front of me, and is I'm a freshman. I don't know. I'm used to like older kids shitting on me all the time. Yeah. So I was like, what the fuck do I know? He's checking my test next to his, and there's a discrepancy, and he changes his. Not yeah. he changed it because his was wrong. Like, not because he thought I was great or something, but like this guy, <laughs> some sports coach, you know, was like, no, look, like what's right is fucking right. He noticed that your answer was correct. He noticed my answer was correct and that his solution was wrong. And it, he didn't, he had nothing like, uh, he had no problem being like, well, that's, this is the right thing, not my answer. Yeah. And this to me, I mean, when was that? That was 1999. That was, that was over, that was like 14 years ago. Sure. Right. And I still remember it. And that meant a lot to me. And there are lots of situations like that where... I wish the religious people would do the same thing too. They're... So here... <laughs> I, so that's a, that's a really weird thing. The school is kind of strange, right? Yeah. So it's run by Jesuits. Yes. University of Detroit great, Jesuits. Jesuits always provide great education. Jesuits, great education. Very intellectual. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people who want to work in Catholic private schools... I, so, so I always say there are two parts of the Catholic Church in America. There's the urban part of the Catholic Church and the suburban part of the Catholic Church. Please explain. Okay. So I grew up in Detroit in this very urban environment. Okay. Okay. The priest that married my parents, <laughs> maybe, I don't know if this is going to cause a problem. I don't think Pope Francis listens to this. If it was Ratzinger and he listens, <laughs> it might be a problem. Pope Francis, nice guy. I'm not going to worry. The priest that married my parents forged papal documents for them to be married. So my dad's Wait, wh an atheist. My dad's an atheist. And my mom's Catholic. I see. So to have a Catholic marriage, he has to sign some shit. And so this priest forged documents, yeah. never told my parents, right? This is the kind of church I grew up in. I grew up, we had we had non-alcoholic communion wine because the priest was an alcoholic and several other congregation <laughs> members were as well. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, this was that yeah. environment. And uh, an another story about this guy was, he, there were there were some mentally challenged. We had a lot of uh, people from halfway houses, some mentally challenged people 
in our community yeah. who are disabled. And these, there was a couple that wanted to get married. And they went to him and they said, we want to get married. And he said, no. And the reason was that if he married them, then the state would know they were married and they would receive less money from the state. And he said, just fucking live together. Yes. Like, do everything you would like you're married, but I'm not <laughs> signing a document that'll make you get less money because you get shit as it is. They were persistent. And I think, I mean, when he realized they were going to get married somewhere else regardless, he... He uh, he he married them. I think uh, there's a the so he died a number of years ago. That was uh, Father Mac, uh, Tom McAnoy, and and the priest who who took his place, Bob Moran, recently passed away as well. And I read an article about him. He had he he did some amazing things at at our parish and at Saint Teresa's. He had a room where he would sit with drug addicts, people going through withdrawal. Mm-hmm. And talk to them sure. about everything, you know, like really like this type of thing that uh, Mike Olson, uh, Michael, it? Michael L. Olson, yeah, Michael Illegal, Olson, like, like really like what these people need is compassion. Yes, they don't need judgment. And if you're really gonna be a Christian, like that's that's the what best you should one, be doing. Uh, yeah. You got you got to be compassionate. Even someone that's non-religious, I am. When I meet people like that, it, it, I just like it's really hard to be hostile against religion. Yeah, yeah. and and I think. I love, I, I, I love hearing stories like that because uh, there's time to be technical and follow all the rules by literally or you follow by the spirit of the law. And I think I, I could deal with more people <laughs> like that, you know? Which is the funny thing, right? If anything, what should religious law be about? Should spirit, it be the spirit? spirit of the law. Yeah, that doesn't make any damn sense at all. So so this, um, what is, what is this saying? The father oh, that you were talking about? Yeah, yeah. So he, they, just, he was a so this addict. isn't urban. Mm-hmm. So this isn't. This is what I would consider an urban mm-hmm. uh, church. And my mother's relatives. She she grew up in the suburbs of uh, Cleveland. Um, and she went to a Catholic school, and the nuns were great for her, and they meant a lot to her, and she she got a lot out of it, and she went into social justice type work. Um. And um, so one of those like liberation theology kind of no, it wasn't liberation theology. It was it was maybe even before. I mean, this was in the sixties. Oh, okay. You know, so so she was going to high school then, and they're like, "Look, if you're not helping other people, then what the fuck are you doing? You're you're not a Christian." Kind of a thing. I don't know if they said that. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I wasn't there. I wasn't there. But uh. so so that that really pushed her a lot and that in turn pushed me and it, it was part of her reason for raising myself and my brother and sister in the city um but my cousins all grew up in suburbs uh she she had a sister who is catholic and in 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 the suburbs of cleveland very rich suburbs and so we would go there and um we were at this very bizarre feeling i was getting mad at old people for leaving mass early Right. So, Why? So, what, what? so here's this. So I'm like, I'm like 13 or something. Yeah. We're at mass, and part of the point of going to mass is is this Eucharist, right? Right. This, this part where you receive the body of Christ, whatever. People believe what they believe. Okay. Anyway, they do that, and then people go just for that, and then leave. leave. Like they stay until that, <laughs> and then they leave. And as a 13 year old, I was pissed off. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? I was like angry at 70 year old people with walkers. Yeah. Hobbling out of this place. And the reason was this. 
I feel as a 13 year old, if I am able to tell when a mass is over and yeah. you aren't, and you've been doing this for seven <laughs> years, yeah, like what's wrong with you? Not only that, that's really funny. not only that, but yeah. like, look, here's the thing about Catholic mass: the priest tells you when it's over. There's a part where he says the mass is it's done. over. Yes, he says they didn't wait for that. That wasn't over. That to me was like. I'm going to do what I need to do for my week and I'll be covered for that week. It's like, it's like uh, paying your health insurance premium. I'm going in. I'm getting the Eucharist. I'll be set for a week. I'll come back <laughs> when it's time for the next one. And that to me made me upset. And that's, that's how I think of suburban Christianity is it's not about community. It's not about other people. It's about it's about you. It's about the individual. Individual salvation, things like yeah, that. Yeah, and it's just like, that doesn't make any sense at all to me. But but are you Catholic then? I was raised Catholic. I but, don't consider but, but myself later Catholic, on, and I don't think other people would consider me Catholic as well. So you went to Catholic school, then later on you went to Quaker school? No, I went to Quaker school first. First. Ah. And then I went to Catholic school. Uh, my mother was uh, very... Socially active. Um, she was very adamant about, about Catholic. Catholic upbringing mm -hmm. and she in fact felt somewhat remiss about my not going to and my, my not to this church this urban Catholic church I mean they didn't have the one I went to didn't have enough when you say urban Catholic urban. Church, it, 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 it doesn't mean like there was a black Jesus on the wall no, no you don't I, mean like that no no but I mean half the more than half the parish is probably black right and our choir sucked, so it wasn't that urban, was it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. If that's it's terrible. not They're black, so it's not going to be that good. No, there were black people in it. There was, okay, so the, like the best, one of the best guy in the choir yeah. is this black guy, Leonard, who's blind and has cerebral palsy. He just fucking leaves it all out there. He's he sings. Great. Oh, yeah. He's great. And it, we didn't have a choir traditionally. Our church didn't. It was the, the community's everyone sang mm -hmm. and there was a lot of people who didn't like this uh, the move to the choir but anyway so it so, sounds like you're smart you work really hard and <laughs> you, you, you had you were, you were surrounded by uh, I was, most I was part, very great lucky. teachers I was surrounded by great teachers yeah my parents were did some really amazing things early on that pushed me in the right direction my dad was like here like look this is stuff that can happen yeah like he showed me mathematics you know at a young but he's age. also atheist he's also an atheist wow that's 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 fun during thanksgiving and holiday seasons oh <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> uh and and my mom said something great to me which which really like freed me up to pursue mathematics because everyone's always like oh do something that'll support yourself do something that'll support your wife if you have one or your kids or whatever my mom said to me you could just be a bum and live with me. I like you. We get along well enough. Sure. I don't care. And so from that point on, I felt free to pursue anything I was interested in because I was not concerned about making money at it. And that's, that's uh, in itself a liberation. It was, know? it was amazing. Yeah. That, that I think more than anything, like having that realization at a young age, that this was not something I should be concerned with. Sure. This has allowed me to let go of that at a very young age, which is 
I mean, I feel like I've been very fortunate with a lot of things, but that more than I was, I mean, I let go of that and then I get a job doing this crazy shit that no one sees a point for. But, but maybe you know, we should maybe we should talk about that, like what it is that I do. Sure, and, but I, I, I need to say, whenever these people like, what the fuck you, would you learn? You can't do anything with it. Like, not everything due to learning have anything to do with practical application. You, you sometimes, believe it or not, you learn stuff because just for, for the sake of learning. And just because I don't, I'm not good at a certain subject, that doesn't mean I need to dismiss, you know, other subject matters. I mean, science was never e- easy. I'm, of course, I'm breaking stereotypes. But it was, <laughs> <laughs> believe me, I took my statistics and calculus in college and stuff. I struggle. Like, I barely passed those classes. But that just because I'm not good at it and just because I'm not good at it with sex, just because that, that, that's not going to prevent me from uh, not wanting to have sex with people any more than just because I wasn't good at math. Just it's because you're not good at math doesn't mean you're not Asian, Yoshi. Yes. <laughs> um, yes, thank you. But I, but I do believe the value of math because we didn't, I didn't grow up in Japan and like people have respect for math. I mean, because it's one of those things that you can't bullshit. Sorry. No, you can't. No, you, you can't you bullshit can't. math. You can't bullshit it. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's one thing that's appealing about it. The thing that I think is most appealing to me about mathematics is you, you, you have some conversation you have some disagreement about something. You're, you're trying to figure out what's going on. Mathematics is a language that allows you to precisely formulate questions sure. and determine their validity. Not necessarily... So, so you have some question. You've formulated it. You've taken your problem. You've abstracted it. You've made it into a question. And now you can say to yourself, is this question true? Is it not true? Or can we not answer it? There are questions we can't answer. Right? That. There are, but mathematics is a very precise language for phrasing things. Yes, it's it's it gives you rules to to say okay, if there were a solution, how would we find it? Well, not necessarily how would we find it, but how would we verify a solution? When is when does this explain that? And that I think is incredibly powerful to to be able to sit down with something. You're like, well. And this is actually a science thing, right? This is this is what science is. This is what the scientific method is. When does what is the cause of this? Like what what does this mean? Yes. And how do we precisely formulate answers to that in a meaningful way? And it's it's wonderful, unlike religion, you bring order to the world and the universe, you know? Yeah. And um yeah, uh, I, I, before we continue, I, I, I forgot, I want to give some of your credential because you went <laughs> to uh, Wayne State University and you're currently working at KTH, which is uh, Swedish for Royal Institute of Technology. And everyone I talk to in Sweden say it's, it's like uh, one of the most prestigious schools in the MIT of Sweden. And uh, what I like about that school, because I'm such a, like a pop culture nerd, Dolt Lundgren, uh, <laughs> yeah. he, he, he attended there. And most people don't know. Everybody remembers from the Rocky movies, you know, when he said, I, "I must destroy you." He was and also in the first Punisher movies. That's right. People always forget yeah. that. They always go, "Oh yeah, the guy from Rocky." He was also in the first Punisher movies and the He-Man movie. But then, is most people don't know this. He has many degrees in science, chemistry, yeah, yeah. and whatnot. He was ready to go uh, attending uh, Washington State University, KTH, Royal Institute of Technology, and ready to go MIT for his PhD program. Yeah. 
you know, he, this is like six five, really giant of uh, uh, actor slash action hero. Most people don't even associate science. He was ready to go MIT, but he was working at some club in New York, bouncer, and fell in love with uh, Grace Jones, the singer, and she was yeah. also in the James Bond movie. What a fascinating guy! But he's first intellectual, then he's this martial arts slash bodybuilder slash Hollywood movie star but falling yeah. in love with grace jones that's gotta be it's <laughs> gotta be a weird moment when you realize you wanna you wanna sleep with someone who has arsenio hall's haircut <laughs> is that right i mean <laughs> she just seemed a, a sexually aggressive in in a, in a very nice way in a very, very nice, nice way, way. <laughs> but so you know you're you're here for I, w- I would totally i mean that's a great haircut yes I'm not, <laughs> let's not lie that's a that's a great haircut, but it's also an interesting moment. The high top fade. If it doesn't for you and a lady, I mean, then then Grace Jones is your woman. It, it, and it was very popular, and she she was so strikingly beautiful. And I think she probably was one of the more prominent African American media personality back in the eighties. Yeah, was she the, like the first one in a James Bond movie, like as a prominent to be that? Character? I think that big of a character, I would imagine. I think yeah. so. Um, now you're, you're doing stuff with MSRI, which is Mathematical Science Research Institute, and you're studying, I can't even say this, homo, how do you say that? <laughs> Homotopy theory, right? Was, okay, so... Uh, Algebraic topology. Yeah. And you tried to explain to me, and man, what little math training I had, I couldn't even keep track. It so was, I, I, think, I think, like, this is the first thing to do is to, like, if you want to talk about this is to... Is, if you want to get an explanation from someone about about mathematics, or maybe this is specific to topologies, yeah. I don't know, is is you should relax and you should start to think about it something as very different than what your classic experience of mathematics is. Your, I think the classic experience of mathematics is going into class, mm-hmm. being handed a sheet with a bunch of problems on it, yeah. and doing those problems. And this is this isn't like that at all. And in fact, that's not what mathematics is like at all okay. in practice. I like to think of mathematics as like what what James T. Kirk. What what does James <laughs> yes. T. Kirk do? He so first of all, I'm also not a Trekkie. I uh, I don't watch this stuff. I like the new movies. Yes, that probably makes me less of a Trekkie. Jay okay, Abraham. So, yeah, I, I like those movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but we are exploring the unknown. We are going places that no one has ever been before. Sure. And and we you know we don't need any astronaut training, which is great because. I mean, this is a podcast, so it's audio, so you can't see me, but I wouldn't make it through. Um, <laughs> but what what am I doing? What are what are topologists doing? They're trying to understand objects, but like abstract objects, so things that don't exist physically. So everything that's physical is an incarnation of these objects, but mm-hmm. these objects they sort of somehow exist somewhere else in their own language. And the way that you work with them is you you try to abuse them enough to push them into a realm that you can understand. Right. And then you try to extract information from them. But it, it's not like you're given a list of problems and you, uh, you do these problems and sure. it's done. Mathematical research is not like that. I, I think there is... Actually, I think there is more in common between like liberal arts like philosophy and English and maybe even theology and linguistics with mathematics than there is between like mathematics and physics and chemistry. I agree because Bertrand Russell wrote a book called Principa 
Principia Mathematica. Mathematica. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This yeah. is this is a funny book. This is this is a, he well, tried. Well, right I didn't read it. I read a couple of pages. Like, there's no way I could read this it. Is a, no, that's what everyone says who reads it. That means no one. <laughs> okay, so people people have read that. People. I've never heard anyone say it's a funny book. Go ahead. Explain. No, no. It's, <laughs> so, so it's a funny book because what did he try to do? Okay. The, okay. What did he try to do? In in the beginning, of, so this this book but, came but, out. But, uh-huh. be, before you continue. I just want to let people know if they're not familiar with Virgin Russell, he was a very famous mathematician and scientist, and he has famous atheist. Very and, famous atheist. He wrote a book called "Why I'm Not Christian," and uh, he was a very sarcastic. But I I really enjoyed his writings. It's a fun guy, and he even helped one other famous philosopher that a lot of comedians, Steve Martin, loved this guy, uh, Wittgenstein. Yeah. Who wrote lang I guess language game. He used philosophy to explain the world with using a math. Um, I tried to read them. It's very difficult. But when I read their story about their lives, what a fascinating people! But yeah, fascinating <laughs> principle people. Good there's people. no, there's no movie about Bertrand Russell. Though, no, right? I mean he's. So, but there should be. So, uh, funny anecdote. My my dad went to graduate school for philosophy, and he. Uh, so I heard like bedtime stories about this guy, right? And so, so oh, when wait, I, wait. A lot of parents read bedtime story about I don't know <laughs> so wait, fairy tale, but your dad was reading mathematician. No, 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 so not exactly. But like, they, right? There's all this. There's mythology that you grow up with. Yeah. There are people that are important to your parents that right. become important to you. Absolutely, because your parents tell you stories about them. And Bertrand Russell was one of these figures for me. Another one was Larry Powers, who was a professor at Wayne State that I had the pleasure of having. Who, if you ever see him in person, you will think he is some sort of bizarre homeless bird watcher. Yeah, but he's not. He's fucking brilliant. Um, so so Bertrand Russell, I remember. So every every thirteen year old, maybe not every thirteen year old, but but at some point you have this conversation with your dad about sex and the sure. birds and the bees and stuff. And my dad, he, this conversation that we had, I there there were probably right there are always several, but. But I remember he had this weird way of telling me that sex and love were different. Mm-hmm. And it was a story about Bertrand Russell and his kids and how he wanted his kids to go and sleep with prostitutes so that they understood I like Bertrand Russell even more now. <laughs> I love Bertrand Russell. So also, if you want to know, so, so Bertrand Russell and maybe some other characters in his life, there's, I think there's, it's Logic Comics or something like this. There's, there's a graphic novel or comic books that have been made about him and his life and they're fictionalized what yeah yeah totally he was he was a very uh active guy he was very involved in uh nuclear disarmament sure and yeah but there are comic books i i think sean's gonna contact uh comedy center start a new animated series called bertrand russell (laughs) yeah i might i should i should play him i should shave part of my head and dye my hair white just like yell at people all the time I don't know if that's what he did, but that's what I would do if I played Bertrand. So Russell. your dad was reading stories about people like that. He was he was well, reading stories. He was telling me. Yeah, yeah telling this stories. This was his way of telling me, like, hey, don't like the first girl you fuck. That's not that's not love. That's just sex. Yes. And that's different, and it'll make you feel a strange way. And as a way of illustrating this, uh, this guy he had always told me about, you know, he believed that mm-hmm. his kids should fuck prostitutes because there, I mean. You're fucking a prostitute. Whatever you feel for this prostitute, of course, yes. in some sense, can't really be special. So that was uh, his uh, his way of talking to me about sex. Was it that there were other ways? But anyway, 
Uh, so so Bertrand Russell. Here's so that book is a funny book for the following reason. At the time, it was he wrote with Alfred Nor- Northhead, oh, yeah. Whitehead, Alfred Whitehead, North Whitehead, Whitehead, who is um, also another great mathematician. Um, he he uh, that book, what they wanted to do was they wanted to prove everything that you could prove about arithmetic. So arithmetic is about natural numbers and what you can do with them. Okay. So a statement is about natural numbers if you can write it in terms of like adding things, sure, whatever. And so you can think of this as some sort of like mild form or early form of a computer language where you you write statements about this implies that and there are things about natural numbers. They wrote this book. They wanted to prove everything that they could because there was this question about the foundation of mathematics. In mathematics, we have objects that we work with and they're founded on these things called sets. And a set is a collection of things. Okay. So we could talk, for example, about the set of glass bottles in this room. That's a set. Okay. Okay. But there's a problem with that set. How did I construct that set? I constructed it with a sentence. The set contains all of the things that make the following sentence true. This is a glass bottle in this room. Turns out you can't define sets in terms of sentences, that in terms of like propositional statements. And here's the reason. What about the following? This is called Russell's Paradox. Uh, and this is a version of it. Suppose there's a town. Let's talk about Stockholm. And in this town, there's a barber. There's only one. Okay. And this barber shaves all of the men who don't shave themselves. Okay. Okay. That's a set. So here's a question. Is the barber in this set or not? So the barber, for him to be in the set, he would have to shave himself, right? Oh, okay. Because it would be the set of all people who shaved themselves, right. who didn't shave themselves. The, so the point is, I'm sorry, sorry. Oh, okay. So, so there's been a bit, uh, uh, maybe too much bushmills, but uh, so we can describe it's this set in two ways. never too much bushmills. Never too much. I'm sorry, bushmills. <laughs> I apologize. Let me whisper softly oh, wait, wait, to your okay. ears. Okay, uh, I kind of follow what you're saying. Okay, go ahead, keep going. About so let's, about, let, okay. let, let, me, let me back up. So, I do people. Can, people I do cut themselves or have somebody else to do it. But yep. he, he's one of those. But he's the person who does it. If you don't shave yourself, right? So does he shave himself or not? Well, he can't shave himself because if he does, then he couldn't shave himself because he only shaves people who shave themselves who don't shave themselves. Ah. So this is Russell's paradox. Okay. Yes. So this points out the following problem: you cannot construct a set by saying. A set is made up of things that make the following statement true. There are restrictions on that statement. You can't pick any sentence and say, here are the things that satisfy it. That's a set. And this is like a size issue, which is really the strange thing. So the point is, you think of a collection as being a bunch of stuff. But sometimes there can be too much stuff that you can't even have a collection of it. And that's nuts. And this is something that Cantor sort of first struck upon uh, Who, who's that Cantor, a mathematician c-a-n-t-o-r okay uh he was, he was a german mathematician and he of course yeah he <laughs> so this is the other sad thing right he he did go insane but part of this had to do with the fact that he was ostracized by the community by the way how great is it to na- have your name attached to something paradox something principle <laughs> that's got to be one of the big accomplishment in math isn't it like 
you know, Tilson theory of something, something principle of this and that. That, that is a big accomplishment, but I don't think anyone, anything's being named after anybody anymore. So, uh, so the most recent development I know of that's named after someone is called Bowsfield localization. Oh my God. What is that about? So, <laughs> wow. Uh, you have some objects and they live in some place where you can talk about them in relation to each other. Okay. And you want to know, you want to take the objects and you want to somehow construct something else where these objects live, but now you've identified them and you've said two things are the same if this is true. Uh, you already lost me. <laughs> give me can you so, give me give me give me an example? Field localization. That would take longer than one podcast, unfortunately. Okay. But but it, the the point is it's it's a it's a beautiful theory that also is related to to set theory and and he's I think he's the last person who I the most recent development I know of that has a name attached to it. Can can, can I? Uh, you know, I'm I'm a little sure. drunk. I'm going over. I I think, I think we both math, math is one of those things. Like, um, what's the analogy I could give you? If you're watching shows like The Game of uh, Thrones yeah, or, yeah. or The Wire, if you just if you saw the first episode one, two, three, you missed the fourth and fifth. In math, maybe you could kind of skip it, kind of still follow the story. You cannot do that in math. I mean, you no. you really cannot miss a step. Um, it, it it's a nightmare if you just happen to miss like one or two weeks in algebra geometry and you're not good at it. It's 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 almost like you're kind of lost. It's almost like you have a top notch quarterback for your team. ACL done. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you're you're done, and because the rest of the season is fuck. Yeah. So in math, it's like. I still don't believe you don't you don't you, you don't have to be the smartest person, but it's it's like making a food. You have to, it's a recipe. You have to follow a certain step yeah. one through ten or whatever. If you just happen to miss those two or three or four episodes or uh, uh, chapters, it's really gonna hurt you because everything rely on previous knowledge yeah, of yeah. what you learn. Yeah. So we need a lot of patience. A lot of patience. But I, I flunked out of geometry. I had to take it over. Second time, it made sense. But like sometimes it takes time. Give yourself a time. But it's it's when people talk to people like uh, you, Sean, and hearing their theories, they're just like, oh, fuck it. I, what's the no, point? But, but so here's the thing. Like people get dissuaded. Like if we want to talk about something and, and, and it gets to a place where mm -hmm. it's past people's comfort zone, like that's fine. Like... Here is a bizarre thing that happens for, to, to, I think, maybe all mathematicians, right? You walk up to someone, you talk to them, they say, what do you do? You say, I do mathematics. They say a couple of things. Like, They probably say, oh, I always enjoyed math until, or I never liked math, or I, uh, I, I like math. What, what do you do? Mm -hmm. Like, Explain it to me. I had this experience where I was in the bar on, uh, on St. Patrick's Day. Yes. And I just printed out this paper that I was looking at. And this chick next to me, uh, she asked me what I'm reading. Yes. And I, I show her. This is some math paper. She says, oh, I'm, I'm like pretty good at math. Like, I'm intelligent. I'm, I'm going to University of Phoenix right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, she really, she really was. That She really said this. She, okay. This was like right after a bus had pulled up and let a bunch of people off on St. Patrick's Day. By the way, for those of you listening to this episode outside of North America, University of Phoenix is online college courses, so you don't actually sit in a class with a professor and you're interacting with the teacher and the students. Yeah. So I'm not saying they're bad. I, I, I personally like since I'm so old, 
I much prefer to be in class with and interacting with the teacher and other students. In addition to because also networking too, because maybe some of these people could be uh, yeah. of, of a help down the road. But anyway, yes, go ahead. So she so she looks at it. She looks at this like the beginning of this thing, and I I didn't understand the paper at the time. I don't know if I do anymore. I mean, I never finished it. It was. Uh, paper by two great mathematicians who are really good writers so it's, sure. it's a shame but uh she she reads like the first page she goes yeah I, I feel like i got the gist of it and i'm like motherfucker <laughs> no way did you get the gist of this i've been working for like nine years on this shit and <laughs> i don't know what the fuck's going on like like but, I'm but not so, saying there's so, this weird, bizarre arrogance where people want you to explain things to them and they think they can understand. And I'm, it's not a matter of I'm smarter than you if I can't explain something to you. Yes, it's a matter of two things. One, I may not be good at explaining. Mm-hmm. Two, I've been spending a fuck ton of time on this, and you want me to summarize five years into three minutes. And and I love. I love talking to people about mathematics and what I do and trying to communicate it. Sure. I really enjoy it. But it's not, one, it's not an easy thing. And it requires a lot of patience from people. Sure. What I, I love talking to artists. Artists are really fun to talk to because their training is, is sometimes very different but very similar. And you think that because they've been trained, that they've, they've been doing art, that they're going to think about things more abstractly than they might. Yeah. Which is really fun. Which is really fun. I'm, my favorite, I'm, I'm going back to Detroit soon and I'm going to live with a, with an artist for a month and I'm really looking forward to it. We have some of the best conversations. We also have some of the largest arguments. <laughs> like he is the person that I fight the most with about stuff. Like uh, we get into what I feel are like the most serious angry arguments I've ever had with anyone. But it's going to be fun living there. In in that situation, you're not using common language, right? Because you're using math, but he's using... So, but you have to try and make it a common language. You yeah. have to try and there's got to be something in the middle ground, right? Experience. Yeah. There's so what you what I try to do is I just try to appeal to the fact that that there are abstract things that don't necessarily exist. I tr- I I sort of rely on the fact that they're comfortable thinking about things that aren't physical. Mm-hmm. And that so there was um. So this is why I think it's like very much closer. Mathematics is very close to linguistics and arts. I mean, and the arts and and sorry, English and the arts and and literature. Because if you're trying to write a good book, you're okay. wandering around in the darkness, you know, trying to like discover a story. Like sure. sometimes you read some work of some authors, and you're like, this seems like it was discovered, not written. And and sometimes I think the artists. And the authors experienced this where they were putting down on paper something that was there, that was intangible, that was not... They weren't just making it up. They were discovering it. And that's exactly what the process of doing mathematics is. You wander around in the darkness and you bump into shit and you try and figure out what the fuck you bumped into. Right. And and you try and touch it from all kinds of different sides and write down your experience of it and, and try and study it. And... 
I think that's why it's very similar to theology and different than 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 the than some of the sciences. Um, so in science, what are physicists and chemists interested in doing? They're interested in describing the world we live in yes. with a language. Okay, so they use mathematics to describe the world we live in. Mathematicians, or at least my experience of mathematics, is that I am not interested in the world we live in at all. I am interested in the language that. So there's a language that we use to describe everything, and you have it. You write down some equations. Some physicists write down an equation, and they they don't write equals. They write you know these squiggly things because it's approximately there. It's close. Right. It's that error term. I want to know what fucking world what the world would look like if that was exactly true. Uh. I am interested in the world that is perfectly modeled by the language. So when you were taking all these advanced classes in college, when did you realize, like I'm sure you took some class like, oh, this is interesting. I oh like no, it was before that. It was in high school. Oh. It was in high school that I was interested in this stuff. And I mean, this was before Wikipedia. This was when, you know, so... Eric Weinstein or something like this ran something called uh, some Wolfram Encyclopedia of Mathematics. Mm -hmm. And I was on there just looking at random web pages and stuff like this and like reading things and I was really interested in it. Um, and it was great. <laughs> so I mentioned earlier that I, I didn't end up at U of M and I don't know, it was a great thing for me to go to Wayne State. Because where, where was it again? I was I went to U of M but then uh, for okay. a year but then I left and I went to Wayne State and it was great that I did. Uh, I had this advisor there, Bob Bruder, who I enjoyed conversing with, I think maybe uh, more than any other human being I've encountered, with may maybe a couple of exceptions, but certainly in mathematics, so much fun to talk to. Um, and what are, what are most mathematicians in your experience like to hang out? Because, you know, like I was telling you, I, I, I met you last Friday, uh, Thursday at Big Ben, which is a club in Stockholm, and they have uh, English show every Thursday. Yeah. And I told you, one week prior to meeting you, there was a group of like mathematicians and science who want to talk to me after the show. You talked to me. And last night when I did a show, two sets of uh, 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 people, one group was five Swedish kids done at KTH, Royal Institute of Science, uh, and they were nice kids. Two other people, they're both six foot five feet tall. One was from Madovia, and I believe he graduated from Stanford and Berkeley and pursuing um, medical science after studying uh, engineering. Another one's, uh, uh, so that's Nathan. Oliver's from um, um, Estonia, and he went to Berkeley for science. And this three weeks been really uh, uh, head-spinning experience because these are like quality, smart, I don't want. I don't want to call you a kid, but like those those <laughs> kids in twenties. I'm forty four. I'll be for, flattered if you call me a kid, right? I'm getting to that point. But 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 I, I'm just like, what was it about these guys? I'm seeing these horrible. I mean, horrible, mean, racial, anti. You know, just anti-religious. It just it Are was just every, it covered all kinds of horrible stuff. But for some reason, you guys were able to convert those jokes. In in a way, like you didn't literally took what I said for real. It was a joke, and you guys laughed. And the fact no, that no, I only talked to you because I thought you were a racist. Yes, I am racist. <laughs> I am racist. But but it was really fun talking to you guys because 
I'm I'm very happy to hear people who are able to think in abstractly, but they're also could think in a practical, funny way. So I earthly think, level. I think this is not like a science or mathematician thing because mm. you know, uh, uh, I really enjoyed your set. I mm. don't know if uh, some of my friends, some of my other mathematician <laughs> friends would have. So, so, but but let me say this yeah. in the following way: when I say I don't know if some of those other mathematician friends would have, yeah. You have to interpret this in the appropriate sense. When I say mathematician friend, I mean someone, an acquaintance that I made sure. that I enjoy spending time with that I met through mathematics. And a large part of this continued acquaintance is the mathematical part of the relationship. But that's like me saying I'm related to people who wouldn't have enjoyed your work. I don't like everyone I'm related to. I see. You know, like this is, these are... Um, I think there, you know, it's like saying that people from Middle America. There might have been people I know in Middle America and the Midwest that wouldn't pay money to see your set, right? Which I don't think would surprise you if they knew what they were going to yes. see, right? I mean, not I mean, I mean, I really enjoyed the set. If you don't like Yoshi, that's your own loss, in my opinion. I, I think he's I think, adorable, like the little green dinosaur. It, it were you named after Yoshi from no. Super Mario? Here's the thing, Sean. Is that a disappointment, though, that you weren't named after him? I I never realized how big that game was until I started traveling overseas. Because every every other time I fly into another country, when they hear my name, these guys are like maybe a custom or cop or something. They get really excited about it, like, oh no, like <laughs> at least they don't think I'm a terrorist or something, you know. But it's it's, it's surprising how important that name is to a lot of people from from. People from the 80s and early the 90s. The first child I gave up for adoption, I named Yoshi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I, I will still say about this. The first three kids I gave up for adoption were named Yoshi, actually. But here's, here's the thing, Sean. Like most people, when they go listen to music, they don't say, hey, let's go tonight to listen to music. They say, let's go listen to uh, Eminem or let's go listen to... Uh, so, so you're asking why did we go to Big Ben? Well, to most hear people you? when they go see comedy, they say let's go comedy, but they don't do their homework what they're getting into, and yep. everyone expects they're going to be sweet like, um, um, I don't know, Mike Breglia. I can't even say his last name. Like very funny guy, very sweet, but he's not over the line really. But he's safe, uh, kind of. I always maybe. treat comedy like food. Some people like sweet food. Some people like spicy food. If you don't like spicy food and you didn't, you you went to in East Indian restaurant or Korean food. I'm sorry, that's what we're offering. Most yeah. likely, there's spice in it. Yeah. So 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 here's why I went to the show at Big okay. Ben. It was in English. Yes. Okay, and I also saw Yemi perform, and he seemed like a really nice, genuine Afri guy. African American, uh, funny black comic. Yes. Yeah, Yemi Afalabi. He's really good. So he was. Uh, we went to this. So I like stand up a lot. Yeah. I go to bed. I listen to a stand up album. I think the last couple of nights it's been Kevin Hart. Not before that, it was uh, Todd Glass. Um, I mean, another I, funny guy came out of uh, you know big news last two years ago. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that he came out was big news a couple of years ago. Is that what you're saying? Well, I mean, I didn't. Know, I mean. I'm my gay daughters are usually good, but uh, no, I he flew uh, under everyone's radar. I was shocked, like, there's no way he seems so masculine, <laughs> you know. 
No, I'm sorry. I wonder if that's the most offensive thing I've heard you say. He seems so masculine. masculine. How could he be? Well, you gay? know, you know what I mean. I, I, I'm not. I know, believe it's, me, it's gay people, gay yeah. guys are tougher than me. I mean, if you could take a dick in your ass, you're tougher than me. You know what I mean? I, I'm just saying. But he, there's a certain like Nathan Lang. He's a very loving. Is Nathan friend. Lane even gay? He's gay. I don't know. <laughs> he's gay, but it, he's so like sweet and like jolly all the time like is he that happy or is he just gay or probably both <laughs> likely both but Todd Glass I, I you know maybe people say I'm homophobic I'm, which I'm, I am um, but um, I have nothing against gay people I'm just saying like that one just I, I never cut I, I, that really stunned I'm, me I'm really glad he came out yeah I think it's very good um it gives di- it gives different face to the gay people and like you know they're like any other guys exactly he's he's also I think he's a very talented comic uh, he's a great so, guy so I listen to a lot of comedy sure. so so Doug Stanhope is someone I'm a big fan of and I also like Neil one Hamburger. of the greatest stand up comic all time I know Doug yeah yeah he's great and Neil Hamburger also I think is fucking hilarious um. So, so I really enjoyed your set. I mean, I think I think you you sort of say these sort of. It was awful it was funny. It's funny to me, and I'm sure it's funny to you because it's so uncomfortable. Oh, that's the best part. Nobody's laughing. The best part of work, that show yeah, mm-hmm. is all the uncomfortable white people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're in Sweden. You're guaranteed for like all of them to be uncomfortable and white. But you know what's funny? Uh, and it was ten times worse yesterday. But what's great was there's always few people after the show like. You know, I, I'm just afraid to say in public, but I really appreciate what you what you said. And Sweden need people like you saying stuff like that. Maybe I only get like four or five people out of like eighty people, but um, I'm okay with it. Do you do you like? Did you do you remember that Mystery Science Three Thousand the show? Yeah, I know it, but I, I'm not going to remember an episode if you. I I love that show because they interviewed the guy who created. I, I apologize to you. I forgot yeah, your no name, um, but he's they said like. Don't you think sometimes you make those crazy references and things that people don't get that they don't appreciate the show? And he goes, "Well, I didn't, I'm not doing the show for those people. I'm doing the show for the people who gets it." And like, I'm I know I'm never going to be a blockbuster guy. I'm never going to be one of those guys. But uh, maybe even if I'm being generous to myself, maybe those independent film where the people who few people that watch it maybe really appreciate it. And this is something Netflix does. You know the whole long tail theory. Um, Wire magazine covered that. Okay. And it even benefit for them even to have a movie only maybe 10 people watch. Even if most people want to watch blockbuster film like Transformer yeah, yeah. or not. Uh, they did this mathematical analysis uh-huh. and it's go long tail. And, and I, I can't do, do justice to explain it. But I read this article like, damn, that's uh, Netflix is just such an innovative business. It's not just about ref- uh, handing out movies to you. But they really do this statistical analysis and you're watching tendency to help you pick the movies that you want to watch. But this long tail, I'm sure after the show, if you have a chance to read it, maybe you could explain it to me. But when I read it, it made complete sense. It benefits the business to even offer things that only a few people watch. Yeah. It, it, it does quality <coughs> service to their customers. So yeah. we're going back like math. Math could be used in that math are used in Michael Lewis's money ball with baseball if you're yeah. a fan of sport. math could be used in all kinds of different things in fighting crimes um, 
But I think yeah. I think like the most important thing though is, and this is I think how everyone should live their lives. You were saying you don't do your set for the people who might not get it. You do the set for the people who do. Yeah. And you do it for yourself. Uh, These are things you want to get up yeah. and say. So and this that's is how a, I have to. This, this is how I have to do mathematics. Yes. I don't give a fuck about any kind of prizes and awards. First reason, I can't win any of them. I'm not smart enough. You just have to accept that right off the bat. If you got into anything for glory, fuck you, get out, go away. No, You are doing disservice to any field you're in if you are in it to make money or for glory because you're not doing it for the betterment of the field or for yourself. May, may I something, yeah, yeah. Sean? Okay, so I, I talk about my friend Mike P. He was the smartest kid in my high school in Torrance High, graduated in 89. When he went to Berkeley, I think he even told me he wasn't the smartest kid anymore. That doesn't mean you can make any sort of contribution. So, so let let me give you an analogy in the way the people in conservative people could understand. Um, w- even if you're not the smartest kid, maybe if you're not the su- superpower country, even the little country could fucking hurt the little countries. So you, there's a way for you to contribute. And this is one thing we talk about. I knew even before we were doing podcasts why I talked to you last week and while coming over here by subway by talking to you you're someone who understands a lot of math but you could talk in a common English language and in a funny way I even read your reviews about the <laughs> students reviewed you and they also you're a funny funny too because that's one thing the missing in and, and I think some people don't think people who do teach math they have sense of humor believe it or not some, some people so do when, when, after this show doing this podcast I hope you have a chance to do a math podcast Half of it math, other half like you, you know, whoever you, <laughs> a second person you're talking to every week. I think you could make a great contribution in math, and uh, you know. Well, I would like to do that. I mean, mm. that's that's what I'm most interested in is 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 promoting the subject in a way that's genuine. So, uh, yeah, I have some interesting. I think I have some interesting math. So, rate my professor is really a lot of fun there are some people you look up on there that are that are hilarious yeah um especially when you know them uh i uh even have some interesting i mean they they write handwritten things that that they give to us and <laughs> I, so here's here's the reason i i'm trying to be funny during class I am bored. Yes. I have taught this course yes. four or five times. I need to at least keep myself awake if I have any hope of keeping every anyone else awake. It, it, at that stage, it's a dry subject. I'm not going to lie about it. So I try to do things like I make up like interesting story problems. Sure. I, oh, I really offended someone once. So So here was the story problem. It was about like... So you have some oh, function boy. and it tells well yeah so I just going to first tell you what the basic problem was and I always try to come up with like ridiculous numbers yeah right because then like the answer is hilarious maybe so it's it's telling you about at a certain time there's some function that tells you how high up something is at a <laughs> okay. certain time so I said okay let's I'm on a 17 mile high skyscraper this don't exist and I'm going to drop kick a baby off of it. Okay. <laughs> right. And here's a function that describes how By the high way, the baby if, is. If I was hearing this lecture and I was falling asleep, I am fully having your attention. Yeah. So, 
So I, I kick a baby off. Here's the function that describes it. Let's figure out how fast the baby's going at some yeah. point in time. Someone was really offended by this. My favorite part is it was not one of my students. What? Yeah. Who complained? So it, it was, there's a course at, at my university where it's called Teaching College Mathematics. And one of the things they're supposed to do is they're supposed to go observe people teaching. It was this person observing it. She got really upset. And I sort of. Did you know that person was in the class? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They tell you before. <laughs> so you didn't give a shit. Oh, I don't hold back. Yeah. I. I've told some crazy stories to my class. Uh, yeah. Uh, so so she came up to me afterwards. She was really upset. Yes. Her sister is a midwife. Or no, her mom's a midwife, and her sister just had a kid, and she couldn't imagine like, what it would be like to, to like drop a, throw a baby off of a 17-mile-high building. Like, that just like made her so sad and upset. And I'm like, well, first of all, if it's 17 miles high, the baby's not going down. This is out of the Earth's atmosphere. <laughs> like, this yeah. is, like, how could you possibly be upset about this? This is clearly an insane hypothetical. Uh, and I said something to my students about it the next week. I was like, did I offend him? Like, tell me if I offended you. And they were like, no. Like, what the fuck was her problem? Like, what was wrong with it? Like, why would you? How could you be offended by that? I, I I could not be more same level as you because this is the kind of thing where yesterday four women was very upset to me during the show and 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 uh, they, they were offended with just about everything I was saying. Like, I'm being disrespectful for women and this and like that. Like, you literally believe what everything that I say. Like, when you watch movie where pe- innocent people are getting killed, do you start talking the show like like you're doing in comedy show because do you-, you don't agree with people getting murdered? I mean, I just can't believe people can't separate, like, you don't mean what you're saying. Did they write to any of the governments in Central America when they watch the Predator movies? Like, how aren't you doing something about the Predator? There's a Predator killing people. Do something about it. And all the environmental damages, the Predators and Schwarzenegger. What are you talking about? Exactly. It's nonsense. Like, how can you be upset about absurdity? Things that are absurd don't exist. Being upset about things that don't exist, that's like, why? Why? Why would you do that? I don't. I, I don't. I don't. I don't understand why they can't distinguish the two. But I have to say, they're um, weak. I, I, some women, you know, we were joking around. They but go first in the zombie they, apocalypse. They, they. Oh wow, you look sound like a Pat Oswalt now. Um, the, they can't separate the two. But I, I have to say, I was in Afghanistan twice last fourteen months. I remember seeing one of the textbook. <laughs> they were doing arithmetic, and you know they would sometimes put pictures like, okay, there's like. Two pictures. One is two cats, and next is like this: the four cats. How many cats are there? You put six, right? One of those like a uh, worksheet book for the young kids. Was the, it how many voting members do you have here that had like certain number of men and a certain number of women? And you just listed the number of men after it. No, it's worse than that. It had pictures of how many uh, Krishnikov guns and knives. I'm not even joking. These, these, this is Afghanistan. Like, oh my god, they were that's like, so great. They were showing like, huh? okay, so like. Four this knives, ha- four knives plus five knives equals how many knives? So you know what this is? This is the answer to why, when is math going to be useful? Yes. Right? People complain too much. Math's too abstract. All right, we'll teach them how to count guns and knives. Nice. Are you happy now? It's, it's ridiculous. I, and, and, and I've said this in when, I, it was, when I was even in high school. This was back in the late 80s. Like, why, these questions make no sense. Like, why don't you do like... Tyrone have four kilos of cocaine and Jerome have two kilos of kilo of a cocaine, blah blah blah. Or 
Mohammed is flying in uh, American <laughs> Airlines at 600 miles an hour, and and uh, <laughs> uh, MLK, what was it? Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, uh, who was one of the terrorists, is flying in United Air- Airways at 450 miles an hour. From, you know, it, it's a joke, folks. But you could make the stories more. Uh, people friendly, but I think the PC is really affecting even the field of math. I believe. I really believe that. I mean, it. So this is so sexist against women. Like, shut up. There's, there's a lot of problem with uh, getting women involved in mathematics. And what is it? Okay, let me, let me clarify. We're not saying they're not qualified. No, they're- not at all. I'm saying, I'm saying this is something that that people in the mathematics community are not happy about. And are trying to fix and get more women involved. How do you how do you change it? I mean, should, so I don't know if anyone women. has the answer. I think um, I think one way is to increase uh, funding to a certain extent, and that's mm-hmm. what this what the, some of the governments have been doing is increasing funding for women in mathematics, so that it's it's easier for for well not easier but so more there's accessible. more opportunities, more accessible for them to get in. But a big problem, I think the biggest problem in uh, with women's uh, accessibility to mathematics is is at least that they there aren't a lot of there aren't as many successful female mathematicians that there should be. They're they're incredibly brilliant ma- female mathematicians. Sure. The, one of the best, easily, I think anyone would put her the top four or five mathematicians in the last century, maybe ever. Emmy Noether is a German mathematician in the last century, and she was what, what, absolutely what, brilliant. What's her name again? Emmy Noether. How do you so spell like that? Emily, okay. but E-M-M-Y, and then maybe there's an umlaut, I don't know, but N-O-E-T-H-E-R. And why, why, why was she so significant in math world? She, fucking everything from that time period any you, so so th- there was a lot of discovery at that time where people were were starting to like formulate the language in a rigorous sense so that they could make proper statements mm-hmm. of things so much of these things are called nothers theorem and i like to make this joke yeah it's another theorem right you know <laughs> yeah. like i mean like so much like just classic basic stuff uh that 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 she developed and discovered and because she was a woman she uh, was was not uh, supported properly at that time. And Sophie Germain is another example of a brilliant mathematician. She had a she had a correspondence with uh, Carl Frederick Gauss. Uh, she actually saved his life. I don't even recognize that name. Sorry. Gauss is considered the best mathematician of all time, more or less. Really? Yeah, yeah. He's a, maybe he's not, but he, he uh, he's considered. Hey, that sounds like a German sounding name. He is German. Okay. So she saved his life. She was French. She saved his life because during Napoleon's invasion of Germany, she was an aristocrat and she had a friend who was in Napoleon's army go and find him and take him like so that he didn't get killed. Right. And uh, this was when she was outed. It was a very sort of dangerous moment for her because... Was she uh, Jewish? No, because she was female. Mm -hmm. Her correspondence with him was as a male. He didn't... He was... They were writing letters back and forth. And he didn't know that she was female. But this soldier, of course, didn't know that she was pretending to be a man. So she, he, he had to say, like, look, Sophie Germain says, I need to take you or else the world will suffer. Right. Because right. this guy was brilliant. And 
But uh, with these two women you mentioned, were they unfortunately were more celebrated after they died? Because I think they were significantly more celebrated after they died. I don't think Emily Milner sad. had a permanent position at a university. Um, I. That seems like quite often the case for many of these women. Oh yeah, scientists, writers, and poet and artists and things oh, yeah. like that. Yeah, because it's not. It's just it's been um, an unfortunate attempted domination by 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 men who felt challenged. And it's 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 really terrible. But but Emmy Emmy Noether and, and Sophie Germain are two really fine examples. And here's the really unfortunate thing: I can't name other women from that era. Mm. They're both from completely different eras, but I can't name other women from them because I don't know because they're not in the history books. I can name women from the modern era. I think the maybe the one of the more successful uh, women in this area who's, who's like well. Well known, Dusa McDuff, Karen Volkman. Uh, uh, I'm forgetting there's a female mathematician at uh, University of Texas at Austin who's also brilliant. But I mean, th- these are people who are like significantly well established in their fields. And then and, there and, are people, there are people in my field that I look up to that are female, that are that are also brilliant. Catherine Hess, Tina Gerhardt, Brooke Shipley, uh, Ulrika Tillman. Julie Berkner. I mean, like I could go on and on forever. There are lots of really brilliant women. And I'm sorry, I don't recognize any of them. Well, yeah. you, well. Yeah. So first of all, uh, they wouldn't be surprised by yeah. that. And and here's the thing: you wouldn't recognize the names of any men I nam- named either. That's probably true. I mean, and and that's not a comment on you, and it's not a comment on them. It's like, it's like. Uh, it's Can like I I'm a fan of an obscure sport. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I mean... It's, Funny it's you say that because if you say, like, you know, Kevin Durant or, or uh, um, um, LeBron James, all these star in, in, in uh, basketball, pe- pe- people recognize them. Um, and and sometimes, sometimes I, we have many problems in the, in the USA and the world. If we just spend... Um, if we spent as much time I spent on fantasy football in the world problem, we would solve so, so much more, you know? Yeah. And if uh, I spent as much time thinking about how I don't play fantasy football, <laughs> playing fantasy football, yeah. I, I would spend no time playing fantasy football. But, but, uh, but No, but it would be cool if we had like fantasy math, something like, okay, on the well, uh, so that's uh, the great draft thing. number pick, I'll pick Albert Einstein. What are you yeah, going to yeah, pick? Yeah, yeah. That would be hilarious. Tycho Brahe is number two. Yeah, yeah. Well, you wouldn't want to pick him, right? Because he, <laughs> he, sober he dies early <laughs> on, right? Unless, he, unless you let him, unless you have enough timeouts yeah. that you can let him go to the bathroom when he needs to. He'll, uh, but you know this, he's sort of this famous. For his nose, right? For dying because he couldn't go to the bathroom. Why? He what? died. His, his, like, I think this is this is the person who I know of that died from not being able to piss. Oh, he was like somewhere for too long and he had to piss. He held his piss too long that he died. <laughs> that sounds like something that the science this scientist might have done back in those days. I it was it some formal thing like with a king and shit. I. When it comes to extra technical science and science and math, I struggle. I mean, I, I did enough to pass. Here's the really important thing. We all did. Yeah. Okay. We all do. This is not easy shit. There are people who do it because it's easy to them. They don't make it. And, and, and I have to say, I don't know how many times I took statistics and calculus whatnot. 
I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I just know I was better. I, I, I forced myself to memorize formulas. And once I saw this problem, oh, I know this is the f- question you're supposed to use this formula to answer it. But other than that, after finishing it, it just seemed like as soon as I'm done with that course, I forget everything. Sometimes that happens to me too, unfortunately. I wish I could remember all this stuff, but there's there's so much, you know, that there's only so much you have room for in your brain. Yes. But, I mean, it's... People who do this for a living, most of the time, are not doing it because it's easy. It's almost like intellectual challenge, right? It's very it's, challenging. It is. It's almost like you guys are like a detective. It's very much like that. Yeah. It's, it's the most challenging thing I think that I could spend my time doing. It's, it's, it's invigorating. So I, what I really like is I really like talking to people and doing math with them. Sure. Like, like collaborations um, and that communication to me is just really fucking incredible it, it's what Buddhists call Satori like a quick sudden realization of something and I think um, there was come up moments like I don't know for years I had to take all this math class, and there's a couple times like oh this actually like statistics made a lot of sense to me like once like oh you know what does it say? Some people say there's statistics and there's like lies. Whatever people lies. There's lies, damn lies, and statistics. That's this right. Is supposedly a quote of Mark Twain. Yes. The point. The point is that you can use statistics. You can. So statistics are a measure of a thing, but you can always phrase the way that you're measuring the thing in a misleading fashion. Yes. And that's 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 what he meant by that. It wasn't specifically the field of statistics. It was the use of statistics by people. Like that's right. Media or an argument. People who have statistics, they're not the problem. It's the politicians who yeah. selectively take certain numbers and present their arguments. Yeah. And um, you know, we're in Sweden, and uh, I, I I do believe in free speech and people who are Swedish Democrats. Do they believe that here? <laughs> well, you kind of have to fight for it sometimes. So we were talking about this on the subway, but yes. they're not have a, they're not allowed to. Well, not allowed, but it's some sort of custom that you don't write about people who commit suicide ever. In the newspaper. Is that right? I didn't yeah, know that. This is this is what I heard from uh, from a Swede. It, it, I think Sweden is a little different. I think Sweden is more of like there's no censorship. People just self censor because either they're afraid to offending people or making people uncomfortable. But um, I don't understand because uh, Sean, if you have cancer and I'm a doctor, I'm going to tell you my first priority is to let you know where you're at in your physical health so you could make a personal decision yeah. what you want to go from there um, I'm not trying to hurt your feeling by telling you have cancer I'm trying to help you but some people interpret that as like well why did you have to tell that person cancer you're going to ruin his weekend or whatever in Asia they're so uncomfortable with truth most likely when the elderly person have a cancer what you should do is they don't tell that person they'll tell them to their family the family will make a group decision for that person and I remember when my grandmother canceled late 70s that was the first reason we went to the states from Japan that's the reason I my mom slapped the shit out of me because I keep saying the word gun 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 now, <laughs> wait 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 Wait, but, but where God, were you saying? Were you in the were you in the airport when you were no, saying No 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 this is with front of my grandmother but gun in English means uh, obviously weapon a gun a, a pistol or a rifle whatever Japanese gun means cancer, and my, my my grandma didn't speak Japanese. She spoke Korean. So I was 
I love my grandmother, but I thought it was so wrong not to tell her that. But yeah. she, my 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 mother, stuffed shit out of me because within that culture, what I'm doing is wrong. But uh, um, I I was always an oddball because you know I'm six foot one, always took out. I got beat up for my height. You I, got beat up for your height. Because they it, just you know they were upset. They felt like they were afraid because they'd watched too many Godzilla movies <laughs> as a child. Is that what it was? In Japan. They're not allowed to watch Godzilla. In Japan, no, in Japan, you don't want to stick out. There's a saying, nail, nail to stick out must be hammered in. In other words, anyone that stick out, that, that, that society have a responsibility to hammer that kid in. So there's this thing called Ijime, which is a group bullying of a kid. If some kid is odd, they're going to bully that kid until that kid becomes normal. But it doesn't always work like that. <laughs> they quite, can't make you shorter. No. Quite, <laughs> af, quite often... <laughs> I just, I'm just, I'm just imagining people like get shorter, motherfucker. What's yeah. wrong with you, Yoshi? Why are you so tall? If 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 everybody in Japan was number five, five, and you're number four, they're trying to beat you until you turn to five. But uh, unfortunately, this this collective bullying in Japan, uh, quite often the kids kill themselves. I mean, really, they're they're so distraught over not being the same like everyone else. And to me, this is the strength of America. Ever, is it? I mean, we're we allow so many different kinds of people, but every time some conservatives say this group don't do well in school, it's a matter of time, somebody in that group is going to be a next math genius. You yeah. know, uh, one of my favorite work, uh, movie was Stand and Deliver uh, yeah, in yeah. the 80s, 1988. How do I reach these kids? <laughs> So I had, I had for those boss. of you who never watched the movie, it, it, it was East LA, f- a poorly, uh, uh, poor school. Edward James almost right. Play Hanumiyas Calente, who raised everyone's expectation of doing well in school, teach, taught calculus, and when you watch the movie, you cannot believe this is bullshit. This never happened. It did happen. So I had this boss. I worked in the math department, and he he used to walk around and he would just like say weird phrases that he liked the sounds of. And one of them was this phrase, and so he just all the time, "How do I reach these kids?" <laughs> like just, just like this old Italian white guy, you know, and he was just like always just saying this, like he, you know, there would the department would close down, people would leave for the day, sure. and we'd be hanging out, and he would just say like, these weird phrases over and over, and, and this was one of them, and uh, and it, it, it reminds me of him. Uh, he 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 passed a couple years back, and he was a huge, incredible influence on me. And uh, this is James Venerian. He uh, he. This is like the lesson I learned from him is like, don't ever, ever think that two things aren't related. Yes, That's, and you, you and you know, I'm 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 having such a good time talking to you with your math because I think it's going to require more positive uh, image of uh, people in science and math. Too. Yeah, so in case anyone doesn't know, I kind of look like Paul Walker with like a, <laughs> with like a little bit Walker, of a rugged look. Paul Walker right after the car accident. Oh! <laughs> that's, I'm, I'm not taking that as an insult. There's anything about Paul Walker after the car accident. I'm taking that personally. Like you're saying I look like it was in a car accident <laughs> that killed Paul Walker. By, by the way, I'm, I'm a fan of uh, Fast and Furious. and uh, I, I'm not I, a fan. I, I'm a big fan, and uh, I, I'm very sad that he passed away. But I have to say, I'm amazed because there's been record. Please, if you're if you're you're gonna get mad at me for saying this, but he has been dating underage women, 
<laughs> 16. So since we're talking about math, 18 is the eight, you have to be 18 years or older. And if you're dating somebody less than 18, technically you should be getting in trouble. But he didn't because he's a good-looking movie star. And uh, <laughs> if I if I had an opportunity, I'd probably do the same thing too. But it's just amazing. Like the rule doesn't apply to everyone. The, the, At least math math laws applies to everyone. They apply to everyone. That that reminds me of the David Cross bit about how he should be allowed to fuck like fourteen year olds or something. He's like, what? A grown man with skills can't treat these ladies properly, but a fourteen year old who pops oh after. Oh my god! <laughs> that's that's seriously. It's a David Cross brilliant bit from from like maybe more than ten years ago. Isn't it weird? I I don't want to get into trouble. You don't sure, have to yeah. answer, but but like. Sometimes these kids commit murder at 14, 15. They're going to try them as an adult. What about these slutty girls at 14 could fuck like a <laughs> doll? Why do I get in trouble fucking her because she's under 18? Maybe maybe Paul Walker was onto something. Maybe this is a Walker's principle. <laughs> maybe or that's Walker's what, law. Maybe that's what we should call it. Walker's the Walker's law. law. The Walker's law is that if you're attractive and you fuck a 16-year-old, you can walk. But they, if they fuck like adult, you shouldn't consider them 16. She so, fucks so like a 24. So you would need to videotape it and present that evidence in court. Look, uh, ju- your honor, she is moving her hips in a very technical fashion. Sean, are you sure you want to re- release this episode? Because I don't want I, to get you in trouble. I, I just... We're, we're how kinda, many people actually listen to your podcast? We're, we're kind of drunk. <laughs> Sorry, that uh, this, was a bit This is probably going to be at least 3,000. At least 3,000? Yeah, all over the world. Oh, that's good. <laughs> so I'll send each of them a job application. <laughs> right? No, but it's great. It, it, we're just putting a human face to mathematician, you know? And uh, um, if, if, look, let me convince you. I was there that. a lot of women in your classes when you were in college and graduate no. school? Yeah. No, there were very few, and it was really unfortunate. There were some very intelligent women. Sure. One of my, one of my closest friends. In fact, one of two people who sent me something on my birthday brilliant brilliant mathematician Sarah Yackel. uh she she was in my classes she was in some of my classes and i always found conversations with her to be very challenging uh, but now there there aren't as really unfortunate people get dissuaded and and part of this is everyone is getting dissuaded from mm-hmm. doing these abstract things first mm-hmm. of all everyone's getting dissuaded but then females are getting dissuaded as well because people in general think that their roles in life are based on their gender so i'm a guy what was i told when i was a kid well not by my parents but you know we already talked about that and and they were very good about that they were they were like brilliant and amazing about it and very supportive but in general as a man in the u.s you're taught you should provide for a family sure so how can you possibly do that? So and women are taught some other things. So how can you provide for a family as, as someone who's an academic and maybe not making that much money? or and, and women are taught different things. They're taught, like, how can you make a family if you have all this time that you spend doing this? And, and they're taught that their primary function is blah, and this is incompatible in some sense. And first of all, that this this fact that your gender somehow decides your primary function sure is k- kind of fucking bizarre right this is a completely um, it's completely a societal construction and some people will say it's biblical but it's bullshit and it's strange because uh, Scandinavian countries mostly secular but Sweden it's not that bizarre for a man when his wife is pregnant when she give birth to the child she could go back to work or yeah. she could stay home or husband could stay home. Yeah, exactly. And this I, is a European thing though too. It's not just 
it's not Northern just European. Nor- Northern, Northern European. Northern European. Yeah. Okay. But in France, I think this is also the France and Germany. There's lots of, you know, they have lots of leave. I mean, uh, one of my, one of my mentors, uh, his wife is pregnant, and they each get a certain amount of time of of maternity and paternity leave. Sure. This is something you don't have in the U.S. In the U.S. is I think it's very uncommon to have paternity leave. So, I think there are all kinds of things we do to reinforce keeping women out of STEM sciences, so science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, there are all kinds of things that you know keep people out. A lot of it is there are people in the field that are assholes. I happen to be in a field where one of the sort of older participating members of that field, uh, so my grandfather, so not my actual grandfather, but my advisor's advisor, mm-hmm has really tried very hard to include women and and be, be welcoming and uh, supportive. He's had lots of female students. He's uh, he's hired lots of women and all who deserved it easily. But, sure. But there are, my field is actually populated by incredibly nice, great people. My my subspecialty of mathematics. And but there that you hear these stories. I, I have a friend who's a female mathematician who, you know, uh, told stories to me about her interactions. She's in my field, but she's interacted with with people who who just say incredibly disparaging things about how, oh, I looked at your job application file and, you know, it's like, oh, what has this girl done or something like this. I was like, yeah. what the fuck is that? Like calling someone a little girl or any of this shit is like, it's so demeaning. And, and I, I think comments like that will eventually backfire because they totally do. They ruin when, the field. They poison it for fucking everyone. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, 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 no, no, no. It's 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 and and um, it's just not necessary. It's it's you know I've been to Middle East a lot and uh, there's um, let's be honest. The Muslim guys they they think so little of um, of uh, uh, women that um, when you go places like Israel where I believe uh, serving in military is compulsory and you have to serve. There are so many like Israeli female fighter pilots and these these amazing women, <laughs> you know, the seven-day war and Yom Kippur war, they were shooting those goddamn Muslim male pilots because, you know, women are capable of doing that too. So I... I've been having this Twitter fight with this cocksucker on the Twitter, <laughs> and then because I I always he he think I I have a self loading issue because I said I'm a big supporter of the West. I never said the West is the best or it's perfect, but I I believe the West have a tendency to give individuals with potential and trying to help them maximize their talent. And uh, when you um, give you when you put women in disadvantaged situation, quite often the case in places in in. Asia and Middle East and in Africa, I don't understand how you could be disagreeing with me. I'm all about letting people live their life that they want to live and be supportive as you can by trying to help them maximize whatever talent they have. And and, and when you have a, people have a two different experiences in this uh, school experience in America. If there's a good teacher like like Sean you had, they they know what you're good at. They're trying to help you go, help you what you're good at to become great at it. 
there's a shitty teacher, see what you're terrible at, trying to help you, whatever you do terrible, become, go up to an average level. That's just a waste of time. And you know, when you have a good teachers, they help you become, and be aware of what you're good at and, and, and be great at it. And, and if you have experience like that, then your experience with, with school was wonderful. If you didn't, it's gonna be shitty. And so, I feel bad for these black and Latino kids live in bad neighborhood. Yeah. Their first priority is not to get shot. I'm sorry, I wouldn't give a fuck about calculus if I worry about getting shot every day. Yeah, no, I mean, so... And you're from Detroit, you know that yeah, stuff yeah, better so, than I so do. Yeah, so I grew up across the street from, uh, well, I should sh- make this explicit, but, they, you know, there were people in my neighborhood who dealt drugs. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Not because they're bad, because they're desperate. No, no, but here's, like, the great thing. Well, not the great thing, but so so one of these guys, um, I I wouldn't say I was close with him, but mm-hmm. he, he was a neighbor, and we interacted with him as a neighbor, and he was never demonized to me by my parents. Mm-hmm. Never said anything particularly disparaging about him. The thing they always pointed out was his dad left, and he became the man of the house, right? And he took care of that house as best he could and that without those were the options he had he didn't have fucking other options but you didn't hear about how he wasn't taking care of his family sure you never heard that are you a fan of football nfl football i, I don't watch it as much as i'd like to but i, I just, so i don't know people on particular teams Keyshawn johnson was number one pick from usc wide receiver by mm-hmm. uh, jets and um he grew up in those really tough neighborhood in usc usc is in la and it's not a really not the best neighborhood <laughs> And um, he um, he comes from a very poor family. And this is where I'm a big fan of Keyshawn. He's like, look, I have to support my family and feed my family. There's no father around. I sold drugs. Um, I think he said something like if he could do it again, he would do it the same thing again. Because when you're hungry and there's no help, exactly. you do the best you can. How you could judge those people? Uh, if you're joking, uh, jokingly judging them, that's one thing. But if you've been seriously judging those people, then shame on you because... When you're, de- if you've never been desperate, desperate people are desperate because they're desperate. And if you've never been in that situation, then you can possibly know what that feels like. I mean, this this guy, he so we lived we lived across the street, and uh, my brother and sister are a lot younger than me, and for, for some reason we had to take my brother to the emergency mm-hmm. room, and it just snowed, and in Detroit uh, side streets don't get sure. loud at all, so our car was like stuck, so I'm like. 15, 16 or something like that. Me and my mom are in the car. This guy comes out. We're like, fuck, we need to get out of here. Yeah. Like him and his, his, his buddy are pushing us out. I mean, they're, they're good people. They're put in a shitty situation, you know, that, that they somehow need to find a way out of. Sure. And they make decisions that if they weren't in that situation, they might've made differently. Sure. And, all the, oh, look, imagine all those potential math talents in inner cities that could have gone to those fields, but they either got killed or in jail and things like that. It's um, so, so the biggest, I mean, r- right, you consistently hear this about any urban, anybody involved in urban education. Yeah. Is that the biggest problem, the biggest problem is poverty. Is that if you, if, so uh, just to give an update on the Bushmills situation, we just, finished it yes. so if the kind people at Bushmills would send another bomb and I'm not a drinking most of you know that but uh, I'm, I was actually having such a good time I, 
I drank the damn thing. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, by the way, but by the way, when I see inter- these inner city kids, because I, I, I'm not gonna lie, sometimes I, I my friends want marijuana or something. I go to those guys to get something for them. They could convert from English weight system to metric system, like kill right away. Like you know, these aren't stupid. These, kids. these are not stupid kids. And when 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 they go to prison and the way they survive, it's they they have a natural intelligence. We just don't give them that opportunity. No, we don't because the the prison system in the United States is not about rehabilitation. It's, it's about punishment, and that is a perpetuation of the problem. It's two things: the police work, and I don't mean any disrespect to police uh, people because uh, to me, any organization, one third of people are, believe in what they do, one third are like middle, like huh. The last third, they're basically doing it because for the job. But most, most, most of the time, um, uh, how much time do you have left? Um, I've I've got some time. I should probably leave in the next fifteen minutes or something. Fifteen. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah. Maybe we can edit that question if you want to edit that. No, question no, no. I leave everything in there. But um, but, but I really enjoyed the, the, the. But the police job is not finding crime because if they were finding crime and mis- uh, injustices in the world. They were gone to Wall Street in 2008 and arrest most of those scumbags, hurt the country by trillions of dollars. Yeah. But the police, unfortunately, in the business statistics, they have to re- raise their level of uh, arresting people. And there's certain groups of people are more easy to arrest than others. Arresting people in Wall Street with millions of dollars for legal defense, it's very difficult. So right. the police are doing the rational decision, unfortunately. So they're arresting inner city kids who have little or no legal uh, right. advice and resource. Because the prosecutor's office doesn't have the money to fight those cases. No. I mean, it's... It's a simple math. It's, it'd, be, it'd be so much better if it was about rehabilitation, which it isn't. And you can tell very easily that it's not about rehabilitation no. when you look at the fact that private companies that run prisons have been writing laws. In, so, for example, the recent laws in Arizona and New Mexico about... Um, about immigrants and and the papers that they need to have like those were written those were contributed to in large part by by people who worked for for the prison industry and the fact that there is a prison industry is gross and sick um but that's i think that's an american thing as opposed to what i would say as even a north american or a western thing because i mean in europe i mean it's much different a uh, bunch of quick questions yeah, yeah. for the next 10 minutes. Um, uh, historically, why why does Germany seem to do so well with math? Is that a stereotype? Or is I don't it think it's a stereotype. I think their education system is very good. I think... Um, but, but what I'm saying is like Asian, uh, year in, year out, when they test like the average scores of uh, students in each country, Asia scores very high. But, but um, that's misleading to me because... Whenever you hear these geniuses that win a Nobel Prize in mathematics, Asians don't necessarily do well. It's a combination of being good at math, but this almost original thinking plus really having the daring to question the previous thought. So, so the, the, I think the best... Jews are really good with math. <laughs> I know people don't want to hear it, but they're, no, so they're overly uh, represented. You know. The best way, the best... So, big so fan the, of Jews. I'm a big fan of Jews, too. I... Frequently, get, my hair is usually longer. I just got a haircut, but I, people used yeah, to ask me. Yeah, you kind of look like Oscar Nazi Jew, actually, with that <laughs> facial hair. So, okay, so Germany, why do they so, have? A, so I don't. So first of all, the best way to measure, well, not the best way, but if you want to go by prizes, mm-hmm. 
Uh, the field medal is awarded once every four years. That's like the Nobel Prize for mathematics. Nobel Prize for mathematics. Although there is now something called the Albal Prize, which is supposed to be for lifetime achievement. It's maybe only ten years old. The field medal has been going on since the forties or thirties. Well, um, what, do you, what do you what do you think the tough three countries that have the most medals? If you have to make a rough guess right now, if I had to make a rough guess, I might say France. Um, France would be the first one I would say. Number one? No. Well, that's the first. Oh, one of the three. It's the easiest one that comes to mind. I would say maybe France. Um, Shocker! I'm shocked. Yeah, I. They're just the people. I mean, I can name the most. Maybe Russia. And. Um, okay, that makes sense. Maybe, maybe it has something to do with chess. <laughs> well. So it's their academic culture. Yeah. It's the culture of academics in these countries and how the government places a priority right. on it. Um, Russia placed a priority on it because they were competing with the U.S. in the Cold sure. War. France seems to have always placed some sort of priority on it. Now, there are a lot of jobs in France, but I've heard from a lot of people that... I didn't know that. That's really shocking to a me. A lot of academic jobs. I mean, so... In mathematics. In mathematics. But they don't pay as well as jobs outside France at the same level. Is what I've heard from. They I probably mean, pay in escargot. They well <laughs> and wine something and wine. You pay me in wine, I'll go work wherever. Um, and then maybe the the U.S. Even I mean I'm not sure. Really? So uh, not, not even Germany? Of, maybe Germany. I can't. So this is there. Are, I'm this. This is just off the top of my sure, head. Sure, sure, so, sure. But there are. Um, the German tradition in mathematics is consistently considered to be stronger than, I mean, any other country of that size. Because remember, I remember when uh, uh, Newton was writing the book about calculus, there was mm-hmm. a German Leibniz or uh, Leibniz. Leibniz. Yeah. He was writing books on calculus too. They were uh, both. They were both doing this at the same time. And which both is brilliant, brilliant mathematicians. But Newton kind of took more credit, I think. He got a lot more credit, but there are various reasons for that. I mean, you have two people develop a theory of the same thing at the same time. But English, is, ask, English is more accessible language in the world than German. M- maybe there's that, but it's also their presentation. If I write a book and you write a book about the same thing, which one sells more copies? The one that's easiest to digest. Uh. And it's also the case that it's not Newton gets a lot of credit for this, but he also did a lot of other things. He did a lot of work with physics. He did a lot of work for the government. He did um, all kinds of stuff. And Leibniz did as well, but uh, things get popularized in different places depending on all and, this other type of stuff. And a few he was also a very prominent philosopher. Leibniz is maybe one of the last sort of Renaissance man where you know he had his fingers and everything and he was everyone was like, fuck, did you read Leibniz's latest shit? Like, wow! He, he, I don't he, think I've ever heard that phrase before. <laughs> I have. No, I. I mean, I mean, Americans have. I love America. I wish they 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 don't have a problem being more intellectual because all these guys call math like, oh, you guys are a bunch of faggots. These other guys are the same guys who are a big fan of sports. And when you listen to them talk about baseball, what their batting average is, and like how many home runs, like. Those are all statistics you're talking about. Yeah. Or oh, certain players get this many yards per game in yeah. football or this many assists, points per game, rebounds. That's all math. Like, you know, there's just, I don't know, there, there's some disconnect. I know we get enough smart immigrants coming to the country and enough smart people know that they just don't announce publicly. We do enough to educate them and we have a 
best college university in the whole world, in my opinion. So we we still get enough of that, but God, what a huge disconnect, and it's it's it, it's a shame. It is a huge disconnect, yeah. Um, but uh, France then is really surprising. I'm, I'm, so so the, a big part of that was so after uh, World War One and Two, mm-hmm. France felt devastated, and they were trying to compete with um, with with this German school, and the German. I mean, so Hilbert. Is an an Emmy author who I mentioned earlier is a German mathematician in in Kaufreiter Gauss. He's a German mathematician, and and Hilbert, though he at the turn of the century, um, the beginning of the twentieth century, he wrote down a list of problems, and it was like this is what the future of mathematics is. Yeah, and this like served as a huge motivator for uh, for mathematicians of the next century. Uh, I mean, so these he was just an incredibly talented mm-hmm. mathematician he was a great expositor he was good at communicating um and he did a lot to solidify the school and build mathematics so there was a really strong tradition in germany that tradition was not completely destroyed by the war okay because they were attacking everyone else sure however the people they attacked did have their institutions sort of devastated to a certain extent i mean if you're in france and you're an academic you're not worried about preserving your tradition of of academics there. You're worried about preserving your life. And so in an attempt to rebuild and combat this, there were a lot of great, very strong, talented mathematicians who got together and worked on this. And they started... So this is an interesting story that books have been written about. Um, so Nicolas Bourbaki mm-hmm. was a general... As a French general, and these people published things as Nicolas Bourbaki, who had died years before, I believe. So it was a group of mathematicians who met in secret. It was like some secret society, and they published a lot. And uh, a lot of them went on to win this Fields Medal. So uh, Laurent Schwartz was the first one. Then uh, I believe, uh, I guess Henri, I don't think Henri Cartan did, but uh, the Jean Pierre. Uh, J.P. Serre and then Alexander Grotendieck who is considered to be one of the most talented mathematicians of the last century. Actually USA probably makes sense because we were the USA is beneficiary during World War II. Yeah. All the smart scientists and mathematicians left Germany went to USA. Yeah and that and they they, they got a lot it, it really improved the education system sure. in the US and the universities and also they were pouring the government was pouring money into so my advisor likes to make this joke right abstract physics gave the atom bomb and so the government was like well we don't know where the fuck the next huge bomb is going to come from we better pour money into all this abstract shit so they were looking for a homotopy bomb and they poured a bunch of money into that so there was a lot of people who were funded to do abstract things um during the cold war sure and, and the sciences were really incredibly supported during that to a certain extent and a lot of the time I don't think they asked for any applicability right they didn't say oh well, what are we going to do with this they just said you just work on fucking everything let's just give everybody money and you work on all of it and, and this is where I have so much respect for Google because they have the uh, I don't know what department in Google but every worker in Google are allowed to have free time to explore not anymore oh they don't this has been cut back. So this was, what was it, like 20% time or something like this? 20% of your time you were allowed to work on your own projects. Yeah. This has been cut back in recent years, I've heard. Oh, that's but, but it No, it, it was awesome, right? Like, 
you could go to Google and you could spend a fifth of your time working on whatever you wanted. I, I've heard this has changed. I, I hope. I hope. I think I will go gladly back. submit and accept my Google overlords mm-hmm. as soon as they want to plug me into the matrix. I hope something like that happened for you. Um, <laughs> and 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 uh, um, finally, um, what 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 you what you uh, are you optimistic about USA with their math education in general? Oh, so I'm very international about this. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, so so so. What do I mean by that? It doesn't matter to me which country comes out on top in mathematics at all. I want what I want is for you know I want this to be I want to be able to have conversations with people where I say oh I do mathematics and they don't go oh so you know calculus yeah oh so how do we figure out the tip on this bill right I mean this is I it it's not important to me who has the most prizes or or any of that or who comes out on top in competitions that to me is meaningless um i think a society that understands mathematics properly is a society that has the ability to read a newspaper article mm-hmm. and determine if it makes sense and that's that's what I care about more is a society that's capable of electing appropriate leaders. And I think surprisingly enough, a mathematics education is, is really relevant to that because mathematics is about the employment of the scientific method where you don't have anything else. Yes. You do you work in chemistry, you have chemicals, you have other things you need to think about. There are other parts. What did you do the experiment? Right. You know, all this other stuff going on in mathematics. You just have the scientific principle. You just have, here is a hypothesis. I test it. I have some conclusions. I have other questions. That's all you have. You have abstracted the very basic essence of reason and tried to apply it. And and that to me is what's important about mathematics and mathematics education. And so that's why I think it's necessary and important to a modern society or any society is that you are giving people the tools to to understand the world around them and if people have that, then I, you know, I don't care how many prizes the country has. I'm, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't root for. I only root for Germany in soccer, right? I mean, this, this is the this is the only team I root for. Why, why Germany? Oh, my mother's German. Oh, okay. And well, hence good, your mathematical talent. Well, so that's funny. She's terrible at math. <laughs> <laughs> no, really. She she got extra credit in grade school in her math class by learning how to play chess. Uh. She, the teacher said you'll get extra credit if you do this and she was like fuck I better learn how to do that because I'm not good at this I mean I want to talk um, hopefully I get to see you again because maybe we should talk about that next time too that uh, there is some math application when you're playing chess too game theory and there's a like lot that. of stuff yeah. going on in game theory Was there, okay so here's, here's something really funny chess has been essentially solved mathematically from a game theoretic perspective you can take arguably the best person in chess and you can make a computer that will beat them. Gary Gastrop or Magasin or whatever like, that kick from Os- uh, yeah, I mean, Norway. You can do this. Mm-hmm. This is not true for the game of Go. There are in fact more potential games of Go than there are particles in the universe. 
Is that right? Yeah. Well, you you mean like once you make one move, uh, all the option of other choices that you could. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So 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 you take a game from start to finish. Mm-hmm. You record it completely. That's a game. You count the number of different ways that could happen. There are more possibilities of that than there are particles or subatomic particles or anything than there is matter in the universe. That's staggering. It is. So it's bizarre, and I'm not good at Go, but I think it's an amazing game. Um, I'm terrible, and I'm Asian. I'm <laughs> well, that's okay, right? Because your parents didn't send you to a school. <laughs> right? No, no, they have this. This is considered one of the noble traditions, right? That, right? You could, uh, you could become a calligrapher. Or you could do this, or you could do that, and then I'm, I'm not kidding. In South Korea, these there's a teachers on TV. They're they're like after school teachers, substitute teacher, one that make millions a year being the super teacher in TV shows, and that's how. I mean, there's a TV show about teacher teaching after high school, about Catholic and shit like that. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of crazy shit in Asia, but I have to say they they prioritize education. Yeah, they're they very serious about it. Yeah, you know. Um, I, I, I think uh, Chu in Israel and I've been to Finland before and Finland's always ranked year in yeah. year out like top three in writing that's reading recent, mathematics right? science yeah that's really recent but there was there was there have been various articles about this because they were like they were really shitty like a long time ago and they were like well fuck we're doing really shitty we better figure something else out and they just went back and they threw everything out that they knew and they just started over again and they got rid of so many things that we think are are given that are basic assumptions that we have to make in 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 the US about education and they got rid of them and they the first class that went through mm-hmm. like a full high school like this new finnish high school they said well we'll let them take the test the european test sure. we'll take it we don't expect them to do well we have no illusions about this but you know what the fuck we'll let them take it they fucking kill everyone. And you're like, clearly that was a fluke. That doesn't make any sense. We don't know how we could have been. Like, there's no way we're completely right about everything. So let's wait and see what happens next year. Again, top spot. And it's uh, the way that we educate people in the West, I think is, or at least in the U.S., is, is really seriously flawed. Peter Drucker, the the management guru who passed away like five, seven years ago, mm-hmm. he said that our public education have it all wrong. Like, I just repeat what he said, which yeah. is we should identify what the kids are good at and help them become great at it. And, um, you know, at that note, I uh, I know you have to go. Uh, Sean, thanks for We should do the, this again. Yes, I, I love it. And I hope you have podcasts because <laughs> I, I, I think people need to hear uh, funny uh, people who are enjoying company by others not just the number I have someone like you yep. uh, weekly basis podcast with somebody else and it, it'd be fantastic uh, before I go I just want to say these are a list of movies have something to do with mathematician or or someone people people good at with uh, logic and computer or whatnot uh-huh. but I really enjoy these uh, a girl with a dragon tattoo a beautiful mind of course goodwill hunting proof which I saw also in the movie. And Proof the play. Is, a, is a really good movie. And I saw a play in New York yeah, City as well. It started out as a play. So the great thing about that is the heroine of the movie is a brilliant mathematician. It's female. Yes. It's just, great. And just like her dad. And uh, standing and delivery in 1980. And of course, um, this one has really changed the people's uh, image of mathematicians. 
Straw Dogs by Sam Peckinpah. <laughs> Straw Dogs? Is that a, I don't. Yeah, he he was a mathematician over the summer, and boy, did he go uh, pull the Sam Peckinpah. And you, if you if you ever saw the great movie Wild Bunch, you know what I'm talking about. So that's the baddest mathematician I have ever saw. Uh, good job, Dustin Hoffman. And uh, I met him too. He was very very kind. Um, I really love that guy. So anyway, he looks good in a dress too. Uh, <laughs> um, shout thanks and uh, I, I periodically let me know what's going on. Uh, one one of these days when I figure out how to uh, record on Skype, I want to you know maybe have a question about math. I I'm, I'm, I'm I wish we had a chance to talk about every few years you see in New York Time, LA Time, so and so guy in India discovered that the the, the 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 a solution to this theory of theorem. You know I hear that and I read it and like I have no idea what the fuck this yeah. is, but uh, it will be fun to have you. Explain complicated math stuff. Explain in a language that people could appreciate. And I, I think I think I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing you teach, getting a PhD. Oh and, no, I did that. Oh, you already have. It. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and connect with people through uh, podcasts. I, yeah. I, I really believe whatever the podcast you have, I think you could connect with others. Right, well, that. thank you for the encouragement. Um, is there any way that any uh, people could contact you? Or Twitter um, account. Um, I have a Twitter, but I don't know if I use it enough. I think it's SM Tilson. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, Facebook or anything? I, yeah, I'm Oh, you have a Facebook. website. What's your I website? have a website, seantilson.com. Can you spell them for them? S-E-A-N-T-I-L-S-O-N.com. Okay. But it's it's kind of uh, bare bones. A uh, friend of mine uh, was actually a talented web developer who uh, did it for free. And I think... Uh, Guinness, several Guinnesses only buy so much of a website as that's that's Andy Wall at Walrus Creative, uh, who d- who did that for me. Um, if they go to the website, they could contact you. Yeah, they can totally contact my email address is on there. Awesome. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks for having me on. I really enjoyed it, and we'll we'll talk again for sure. Thank thanks for doing this show. I appreciate it. And then you're the first mathematician, <laughs> funny guy on the show. And uh, I want to end this show by thanking. Uh, so these people because um, I, I've had difficulties in the last two years but first first of all Russell Peters group friend of mine very funny comedian very supportive and if it, was, if it wasn't for him I wasn't able to come to Europe and interview all these amazing interesting people today's December 20th and I think I have a couple more interviews but uh, Russell Peters please check him out on Netflix um, he's never complained he's always been there for me and uh, all the podcasts I've done uh, he's been a big support my friend Stan Chan, a funny comedian and a pilot for FedEx, big supporter, and uh, he helped me many times uh, financially to uh, continue this podcast. And um, also uh, Jason in uh, Napa Valley, uh, JV, thanks for your help. And finally, my two friends from Hawaii, a couple, I don't want to say your name because I don't want to embarrass, but you know who I'm talking about. Thanks for supporting me, the show, and uh, aloha to you. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show and talk to you guys soon. Thanks.